welcome to the Voice of the Force podcast for November 2019, uh, entitled We Have Spoken, with uh, one of our uh, first, or I guess is our second or third guest now, Bobby from Wormwood Gaming. And uh, before I introduce Bobby, I'm just going to introduce the other co-hosts for the show. Uh, you guys might already know if you've been listening, uh, Noma. How's it going? Sorry, I was drinking there. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. And Ed. Heyo. Awesome. Uh, Bobby, the creative director and marketing director for Wormwood Gaming. And uh, Bobby, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. Um, so uh, obviously, as you know, my name is Bobby. I do uh, creative directing and the marketing director for a company called Wormwood, which is a uh, tabletop gaming accessories and furniture manufacturer. Um, so we mainly focus in the D&D area. Um, but, you know, not only our products, but also our brand kind of like branches into other things. Like we stream video games on our uh, Twitch channel, which is actually how I even ended up here in the first place, talking about things that aren't particularly related to what we do, but they're attached in fandom or nerddom, like, you know, video games or Star Wars or Marvel or, or what have you. So I basically run the department that creates all the content, um, whether it's on YouTube, Twitch, any platform, and then also Kickstarter campaigns, which kind of like really uh, drives the company. We're, we're big on Kickstarter. Um, but other than that, I, I love to dabble in all uh, different types of pop culture and fandom and things like that. I'd consider Star Wars to be uh, my strongest next to uh, Marvel, MCU movies, or comic books. Um, but yeah, things that aren't related to work. Uh, I love music. I'm a drummer. I love all music, like from hip hop to metal. Um, I love to dance. I love video editing. Um, yeah, and I love Star Wars, so I'm ready. Awesome. We're glad to have you. Thank yeah. you. Just, just a quick question for you, Bobby. Um, have you been, have you been at Wormwood since the beginning, since like the first Kickstarter stuff? Or I have, yeah. It, it's, oh, awesome. <laughs> it's been a wild ride. Um, when I actually got there because I was, uh, I was teaching a martial arts class. So my, my family has owned a martial arts academy for since I was 11. Um, so I was teaching a martial arts class at a library uh, where Doug, our CEO, his wife was the librarian there. So I oh, ended oh, up. Nice. Or, uh, at the library teaching these kids karate and um you know you you uh what's it called you you, you do karate with with no socks on so I, at mm -hmm. the end putting my socks back on she noticed that i was wearing iron man socks and we started talking <laughs> about iron man and then that went into nerd culture that went into what doug was trying to do and they had just launched the dice vault kickstarter which was mm -hmm. years and years and years ago maybe like seven eight years ago oh. and since that success, they were looking for woodworkers, and I went to a um, tech school. Woodworking was my major, so it was just oh, wow. kind of a natural fit. So I started there actually as a woodworker, but I kind of ascended to do something that was completely different just because I have a background in entertainment and things like that as well. So Okay, awesome. It was all Doug's basement when I was there. Doug's basement, <laughs> oh, wow. Doug's basement and three guys. It's come a long way for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a wild ride. Yeah, <laughs> and it and it's it's funny how everything just interconnects. Because when Dan told me about this, I was really surprised. Because I remember uh, I backed actually the first Wormwood Kickstarter that you guys did. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember seeing it, and I was like, oh wow, this looks this is super cool. I really like how everything looks, and yeah. And so so ironically, uh, the like I'm actually holding it right now. Yeah, the dice vault I ordered from you guys is one that I don't think you guys make normally. 
It's uh, I got the bamboo one. It's uh, it's uh yeah, bamboo is not like a, a typical wood that we work with on our website all the time. It's typically like a Kickstarter exclusive. So yeah, okay. you got you got yourself some wormwood that you know people can't just get that. Yeah, like I, and I didn't even realize. I just I thought well, <laughs> at the time I thought, well, I'm Asian. I've got to go for the bamboo style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Embrace the stereotype. I think. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> when hey, it, no inside square is the inside square. Uh, let's see. The inside, it's kind of like a rounded, yeah, square, uh, rectangle with like rounded edges. Yeah. Okay. All right. I wanted to see how old it was because if okay. it was, if it was square, it's some of the first ever made. Oh. Nice. Okay. Um, but if it's round, it's more refined. It's still, it's you know, it's still very, very old. But I was wondering how exactly old because halfway through that Kickstarter, we kind of changed how we were producing them. Oh. Okay. So it's just interesting. But yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Thank you so much for your yeah. early support. There's not, a, there's not a lot of you. Hey, no worries. It's 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 uh, survived all these years with you know no damage at all. So yeah, it's a good investment. Oh, well, no that's complaints. great. And if you ever do have uh, any damage, we have an unconditional lifetime guarantee, so you can always get a new one. Oh, nice. Buy <laughs> Wormwood products. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just programmed to say it now. I'm not basically just do it because it's amazing products. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Kickstarters, I just backed the um, uh, the last one from Halloween. Got a T-shirt from that one. Um, oh, thank you. And the hexagonal um, dice uh, hero vaults. Uh, hero right before that. So I'm excited yeah. to get those. Well, geez, thanks so much. Yeah, the Halloween yeah. was a lot of fun. It's my favorite oh, holiday. And the fact that we could work with Crystal Sully and we had the art and we had the coffins and we had we had so much fun. And, and on the content side of things, like when we were making our, the videos and the pictures and we got to use the fog machines and, you know, all the, the, the creepy sound effects and the creepy score of the videos and stuff, we just... We had so much fun with that Kickstarter, and I, I think people could tell how they're like, Jesus Christ, Wormwood really likes Halloween. Jesus, and you guys did a fantastic job in giving the the viewers and and um, uh, customers different views on like worm life and everything, and like how you did all the lighting and all the effects and everything. That was awesome and a really Thank cool so peek behind the curtain. Thank you. Yeah, we don't do that a lot. Well, you know, people know us as woodworking. You know, yeah. they're like. They're like, you know, we want to see the the craft. We want to see the process. And, you know, like our our, our head videographer, um, JV, JV's in it, like, I would consider him a Wormwood craftsman just as I would consider, you know, someone oh, who's for sure. a Wormwood craftsman. And I was just like, you know what? This, this video is so interesting. I really want to do like a behind the scenes thing because we really did create that whole video just like on a table in the middle of an empty room. Um, and I, I wanted people to see, uh, you know, behind the scenes. And we had never really done that before with, with you know, uh, media. So I'm, you know, I'm glad that that someone got something out of it, or at least finds it as interesting as I do. For sure. Um, so moving on into some Star Wars content, uh, we have do. a few questions for you, Bobby, about Star Wars and how it pertains to you and how you grew up, or um, some yeah. of your favorite parts of the fandom. So our first question for you is, how did you first get into Star Wars? Uh, so I mentioned earlier that my family had a, a martial arts academy. Um, and obviously, martial arts was a huge inspiration for me. My dad was always super uh, into showing me different martial arts movies with, you know, whether it was Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee. Um, 
And I remember him showing me Star Wars for the first time and telling me that the the art of lightsaber fighting was actually based on a real uh, a real martial art. I believe it was called kendo. Um, and when I heard that, they they would practice with these these bamboo swords called shinais is what they would practice with. And bamboo is so resilient, um, it can bend. It, you know, it has flex to it, but it's also very very strong. Uh, so you can really you can really wail on each other with the swords, um, and they probably won't get get uh, damaged. Uh, so we would practice in there and I, and uh, in the dojo, like you know the the different lightsaber moves, and we would do demonstrations. And my dad eventually, as I got older and I and I started having more ideas, this was probably around when I was like thirteen or fourteen, where I was just like, Dad, what if we did the demonstration, but we actually did it with lightsabers? And he was just like, if that's what you want to do. So he let me do a karate demo. Nice. I was supposed to have a traditional sword, but I actually did it with a lightsaber. Um, so the the martial arts influence of, of Star Wars was definitely what got me into it. Um, and it wasn't until I started working for Wormwood where I met so many people that were so shamelessly nerdy about the thing that they loved that I started getting so much more into the, the universe of of, you know, I loved it before, but when I started look, working for Wormwood, I realized why I loved it, if that makes sense. That does, yeah. Yeah. So, are you, that, if, if I can ask, though, which lightsaber was it? If you remember. Which lightsaber? Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Attack of the Clones had just come out, and I thought Count Dooku's lightsaber was the coolest nice. thing ever. Oh, nice. my God. <laughs> um, the Count so Sereno. He also, had, he also had a very distinct um, fighting style. Um, like a dueling that, kind of. Yeah, kind of that. Um, well, it's a one-handed style. It's based off of fencing. He does yeah. like a lot of shadow stepping. Um, and he's like a defensive fighter. He's not very uh, aggressive, which is shown like, beautifully like the fight choreography that he has in the clone wars animated series is unreal oh, like, yeah. oh yeah like the people who are choreographing him knew exactly what they were doing i have clips on twitch of me like freaking out over like these small details that they include with dooku in the um in the animated series it's just yeah. so awesome quick speaking about dooku have you ever played battlefront 2 on the console or pc i have not i'm not much of like a kill em all type gamer fair enough yeah, he's he's available as a hero that, or a villain that you can play as. Yeah, so, I was I was on the Force Unleashed camp. I just wanted yes. to yes, <laughs> I just wanted to recap so and be able to control everything. Um, but yeah, no no Battlefront as of yet. No worries. Uh, second question for you then is, what is your favorite Star Wars memory? My favorite Star Wars memories. It could be like anything that has to do with Star Wars. Anything at all. Um, so it's a karate demo. Um, there's this thing, uh, there's this thing we do. It's, it's called dynamic tension or, oh, yeah. um, a, a dragon's breath where it, you know, it's, a, a it's a breathe out, but you know, it's, it's tense. And, uh, when we do it at the beginning of a form or a kata, it typically happens once where you go, ah. mm -hmm. but at uh at later katas as i got more advanced you did it a second time pulled your hands back and then pushed out and did it a second time so it was <sighs> and i did a karate demo this sounds so stupid people are just listening to this they're like oh wow, i know exactly yeah. what you're talking about yeah oh yeah um but there's some hand motions you do to it but i put that in a karate demo 
And in the karate demo, I actually stopped the music and I did the breathe, inhale, breathe out to Darth Vader's breath. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. <laughs> nice. What a great so, one. So that was my, like, cause, cause I remember everybody, people who weren't even fans of Star Wars, you know. came up to me afterwards and was just like, dude, and when Darth Vader came in and you did it, and like, I got people as excited <laughs> about Star Wars as I got about Star Wars. You know what I mean? So that was a really, uh, that was definitely a really cool moment. That's awesome, Bobby. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually used to practice uh, karate, uh, Goju karate, Goju Ryu, um, mm. in high school and in the university. Uh, yeah. what, what style did you practice? Uh, it was a combination of Shaolin and American Kempo. Oh, nice, okay. Um, so it was, it was, Definitely more self-defense based. It wasn't really an aggressive style, but it was a very um, survival-like style. There were eye gouges and claws and, and all oh, the, wow. these types of nasty stuff, yeah. um, which was good. But I've also studied um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, some Krav Maga, some Muay Thai, not heavily, but just, you know, here taking classes here and there. Um, I've done a little bit of boxing just to, you know, when you... When, when you're teaching martial arts, I mean, martial arts is just so vast that you really need it, like kind of an overall well-rounded knowledge um, if you're going to, if if any student's going to take you seriously. Because if you just know about one thing, it's like, eh. Right. Then you're not really well-rounded in, in your knowledge sense that way. Yeah. Because once you have a basis in one martial art, it kind of can transition to other ones for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of borrowed themes throughout Definitely. styles. Um and yeah, except for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, man. Holy crap! I don't care if you're, a, I don't care if you're a black belt. As soon as you get on the ground with someone who practices Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, even a purple belt, it's done. Will rip you apart. Rip <laughs> it's insane. All right. Um, next question is: What Star Wars movie do you like the most, and why? Mm, you know, I saw that. I was thinking about this earlier, and I feel like my ah, my answer might be a little controversial. Uh, yes, 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 Bobby. This is where the whole show falls apart. Continue. To be, to be completely honest, um, I think I might have to say Force Awakens. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. And, you know, it's not because I thought The Force Awakens was technically a better movie, but it got me the most excited Star Wars yeah. has ever got me. Um, just because of what I felt like was coming, like what it set up so many things that I thought had so much potential to be super, super interesting. And I remember going and, um, seeing it multiple times and theorizing who Ray was and, you know, just getting, getting mixed up in it in the same exact way. Um, you know, everybody else did. I didn't think it was a flawless movie. I thought that it had some faults, but to, to pick this franchise back up, I thought that Disney gave it, you know, enough charm, gave it enough, like, new stuff, made, you know, older fans remember what they loved about it, gave younger fans, like, new things to love about it. Um, I mean, then it fell on its face, but, like, but I liked, <laughs> but I liked Force Awakens. I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. That's good. Um, I was yeah. going to say, too, like, I think the hype and the marketing for The Force Awakens since it was the Star Wars movie that came back after, you know, a decade of being like inert basically for yeah. uh, the movie franchise. Yeah. Once they started up with their marketing again, it just lifted off. And I, I remember the, the feeling you're right. The exhilaration of going to the movie theater after all that, like marketing and everything and just sitting in that theater and watching the movie and being immersed in that universe for another time. 
it's yeah, yeah it, it's it, a feeling it almost, un, like on un, like none other yeah it, it, it felt like be, it felt like being part of i, I know this sounds kind of cheap but it felt like being part of a renaissance right it's yeah. like the second coming of something exactly you never thought would come back you know and and it's so interesting we used to have to wait like people would wait years and years and years and years and years just to see the sequel of a movie mm-hmm. that they saw the the fact that we're alive at this time where you know a almost like a franchise can it never died obviously but we thought the movie portion of it was over and then comes back we're just you know we are i feel like we are experiencing a renaissance with a lot of nerddom oh for sure yeah it's yeah. it's becoming more mainstream and that's uh it's i think help fueling that renaissance for sure if yeah, yeah if, if you if you had told me when i was in you know grade five or six that a, Mar- a marvel movie with every character i'd grown up reading about was going to break a billion dollars right i would never believe that right because it, it believed that that sony and marvel would have got along to just get spider-man like yeah I, yeah that's true <laughs> that's, that's so true like everyone coming together like if you told me that spider-man was going to be in a movie with tony stark i'd be like you're crazy yeah Tractually, that makes no sense. They could never do that. But, yeah. you know, they do because this nerddom is so powerful where they're just like, why on earth wouldn't we do that? S- screw what we said. You the know? only time you ever saw, like, crossovers like that was in the comic books. And uh, mm-hmm. it's so cool to see that happen in, like, Marvel franchise, DC franchise, though DC, I think, to a lesser extent. And uh, They're trying. Hopefully, yeah. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully Star Wars. Any college try. Yeah. No, And that's the thing. You don't know until you try, right? Until you give it that that risk uh, factor, right? Yeah. All right. Um, next question, and uh, I might add another one in here about uh, comics in a second here. Sure, what sure. is the most prized Star Wars item or um, collectible that you have, and what is the story yeah. behind it? Sure. So um, I actually have two, if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. I have my, my Renegade Ultra Saber combat lightsaber. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's like a $450 lightsaber. Um, and I got it from my Kylo Ren cosplay that I did, uh, PAX East a couple years back. This was when, um, I was still new ish at Wormwood and I wasn't so busy. So I was like, I'm just going to take the day off and go in and just cosplay for a day. Cause I could do <laughs> things like that. So, um, I pieced everything together and this lightsaber is just so it's such a monster. Like it's super heavy. So like I want to spin it and do tricks with it, but it's so legit <laughs> that I can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it also has what what they call an obsidian sound card. So I have different. Oh saber yeah. So um nice. so I loaded obviously a bunch of cool ones. I have, you know, Vader's sound effect with him breathing in the background, but I also have crazy things like. Uh, it plays the Mario theme song. Nice. And every time, <laughs> like it clashes. It's like a. Oh wow, that's cool. Uh, and it's it's super super wild and anytime just turning it on is already impressive. So people are like, "Whoa." But as soon as I like change it to the Mario theme song, every like that, you know, it's like a party trick. It's right, like the exactly. thing to just have when people come over. No matter who you are, how old you are, girl, boy, like doesn't matter. You're going to think this is cool. That's so, awesome. It's the ultimate icebreaker. But um I love that and I'm not sponsored by them. Uh, so this wasn't a plug. Buy their but... products anyway because they're a fantastic <laughs> company. 
Uh, however, my second one would probably be um, I have an exclusive, like an, a Hascon exclusive collectible Grand Admiral Thrawn action figure. Oh my god! Nice. And uh, I love it. We went to Hascon. We work with Hasbro. Hasbro owns Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons, so we work with Hasbro kind of officially. So nice. when uh, they had Hascon, which is their convention, they actually have it in Providence, which is like 30 minutes away from us. Um, and it's just everything Hasbro, and you don't realize that Hasbro is like the Disney of toys. They own the world. Yeah. Like they everything. Like Star Wars was there. Um, Star Wars was there. Marvel was there. Every game you've ever played as a child, like every single one, like the the Pie Game, Operation, Twister, Trouble. Like you just don't realize how much like Hasbro just have, has carte blanche on every toy. Nerf, it's all them. So it was a really fun con, and they had a bunch of like exclusive type stuff, and that was there, and that was the one that I snagged. Nice. Yeah. So I'm assuming then uh, my next question was going to go into: Have you read any of the extended um, novels or uh, comics? And I'm assuming now that you've brought up Thrawn, that you are pretty big into the Thrawn trilogy, the old one, and possibly the new one. It's so interesting. I <laughs> actually had not read those, and I got to know. I knew of Thrawn because I just knew about him in the EU. I never read his book. The only books that I've read are Darth Plagueis and Ahsoka Tano. Yes, good okay. ones. So I read those, and I enjoyed them. And I people kept talking about um, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And then the second I was just like, hmm, maybe I will give that book a try, Rebels came out and had Grand Admiral Thrawn in there. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get to know him through here. And I wanted to – I didn't want to, like, potentially spoil myself for the show I was watching. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know if they were going to borrow things from the book. So I didn't yeah, want to show what was happening. So um, I never ended up watching it, but I really liked him in the show, even though I know that the fandom thinks that he should have been a little bit more ruthless and maniacal. But um, <laughs> I thought the voiceover uh, was really, really oh, great. So good. I, thought a, I thought they did a great job with him um, doing what they needed to do with him, but then also keeping in mind their audience, because I know that they had red tape that you know they couldn't go beyond a certain point just because of the nature of the show. Um, but yeah, and then the only comics I wanted to do Vader, but I never got into Vader. But I did read the, um, I did read the. I forget if it was a one issue or if it was a couple issues um, of Kanan and yes. how he escaped uh, Order sixty six and the death of his master and how he ended up meeting uh, everybody else that we meet in Rebels. Funny enough, that's the next episode of our uh, Canon podcast uh, for the Voice of the Force. We're going to oh, be covering, it? yeah, the Kanan comic volume one and uh, some sh short stories with uh, Zara Leonis from Rebels. Yeah, I loved, um, I loved Kanan. I thought he was a great character. I thought he, I, to be honest, I he's thought awesome. he could be main character of the entire series. Oh, for sure, he's mm -hmm. amazing. I love Kanan and what Freddie Prince Jr. brought to his character. Yeah, it was. Um... Yeah, just like the the amount of change he went through in only like a pretty short series was was great. I loved it. I I, I felt like they were um they were pulling some like Rom Coda. Uh, oh like, yes, we all uh, think that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was cool to see them because that's something that that's something that I really want. Because people always say, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but people always say things like, oh, Disney, like, Disney's doing this to Star Wars, Disney's doing that. But it's really not Disney, it's just, like, the Star Wars department. Like, Disney's so huge, like, it's not Disney. Like, if you it's think Lucasfilm. it's Disney, 
yeah, like if you think it's Disney, like why are why is Marvel doing as well as it is? Like the Disney understands there's a portion of Disney that understands like how to create an amazing shared universe. Like it's not a Disney problem, it's 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 the actual Star Wars issue. And um I love when they borrow things because they did the same thing with with Star Wars that they did with Marvel, where it's just like, all right, we're creating a cinematic universe. All this stuff exists. So we're going to kind of just like pick and choose what we want. Everything else doesn't happen in this universe. Right. And then they did the same thing with Star Wars. And they were just like, all right, all that stuff, that's that's EU type stuff. This is canon. And I find them like they're just making shit up more often than they're borrowing like already successful storylines and characters. But and they're, they're not picking sure. amazing little things from EU and they're bringing them yes. in. Yeah, like I'm not sure why they're not borrowing more. Yes, is my point. yeah. However, every once in a while when I see influence on something that, you know, the fandom responded really well to, I'm just like, yeah, yes, yeah, do that. Do that more, guys. I Even though this isn't the character, I like seeing the influence and... I'm not one of those people who thinks that things need to be the same in order to be good. I just think they need to be good in order to be good. Um, right. And I think Marvel like knows how to borrow those little chunks uh, really, really well. And I love when I see Star Wars doing it well, too. Nice. Yeah. No, and you bring up a good point because, yeah, seeing the things that Marvel will adapt and do well, if you had told me – well, actually, when I saw it, when I heard Civil – oh, we're doing Civil War – and I was like, all right, but you're missing like, you know, 40 of the characters that the comics of war was supposed to have, but they managed to adapt that really well. So, so yeah, then when you see them do the same kind of thing, well, oh, we're going to adapt this from Star Wars, we're going to take Thrawn. And then, yeah, like, like you said, from what fans were saying, you know, they, they kind of, they do take them, but then they don't really bring anything else. It, yeah, that makes it kind of a, no, you're, you're definitely right. It's not necessarily the Disney thing. It is more of a Star Wars specific yeah. I just think it's I just think it's new and like anything I think it's going to take they went in guns blazing and I feel like slowly but surely um you know they're they're going to they're they're going to they're going to course correct. They have no they have mm. no choice. You know what I mean? Like they have to. And they did they did yeah, with yeah. right after solo they figured out okay, we can't bring out a movie in the same like calendar year as yeah. another one because it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. and I I think kind of yeah, with what I was with my kind of slight ramblings that I was saying just a second ago, I feel like maybe what might have happened is you know because they, they did a very slow and steady approach with the original Marvel stuff, you know Iron Man comes out and then a couple more years oh we'll see what's happening, um, as opposed to with Star Wars where they went all right well we've done this once let's let's get this out as fast as we can you know movie every other year and then yeah this is kind of the result of that. Almost like what DC tried to do, right? DC was yeah. just adventures. Oh, yeah. just like Justice League. Dude, shove them all in. Go, go, mm -hmm. go. That was... It's interesting because I got Disney Plus and I watched a documentary on the, and, on the MCU. Um, it was like one of the first things I watched because it piqued my interest. So um, I'm watching it and they're explaining about how they were never sure about the universe thing. It just kind of happened. And I think that's the key difference because everyone sees them doing it successfully and they go oh we need to make a universe and they go into it thinking we got to create a universe instead of we got to make a good movie and then build on it if it's successful or not because mm -hmm. people want to make those universes like the comic book French like they're not the only ones like everyone's trying to like Godzilla and like the the dark universe with with the the dumb mummy movie like these yeah. <laughs> universes and it's just not working and I think it works uh for Marvel um 
you know, because of the way that they approached it. But I think if anyone else is going to get it right mm -hmm. soon, it's going to be Star Wars for sure. Mm. Yeah, and, and you took the words right out of my mouth. I was I was about to mention the Dooku, because my God, that they wanted so so bad to make a universe out of that, and you can see it in that movie. But it's it's too the mummy was kind of garbage. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, what do you? Yes, it is. Like when you are trying to make something that is so grand, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's almost like one movie doesn't matter. Exactly. But the audience will never see it that way. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, that concludes our intro segment with Bobby. And I just wanted to get us into our force fun fact for this episode. Um, mm. Previous episodes, we've done force fun facts about our favorite starships or um, different things about different characters or different moments in different uh, parts of the Star Wars canon uh, timeline. And this week, or this episode, is... Uh, the favorite sequel trilogy moment. Uh, does anybody want to volunteer to go first? Yeah, I think we should let Bobby have the first one as the guest. Let's go. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, sorry, not to be too much of a chatterbox, but I also have two. I can't choose between these go two. Go for it. That's fair. Um, so, yeah, sequel trilogy, obviously, with um, I'm a big Force Awakens fan. Um, when Kylo Ren stopped the blaster bullet midair. <laughs> yeah, that was mine too. That's mine too. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, it's so, like, it, that's so badass. Just just seeing that, like, got me more excited than any other Star Wars movie. Because I was just like, oh, my God. It's it's so new and it's so familiar. It Like, I, I get this power. I understand what's happening right here. But it's being used in a way I've never seen before. This truly feels like a natural progression of the story that we know from Star Wars. Like, I love, because it's almost like, um, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't know if you guys watched that, that oh, and yes. then also oh. Legend of Korra. Mm -hmm. And you see, like, what was, like, lightning was considered to be, like, you had to be the best of the best of the best. And then in Legend of Korra, they literally had, like, firebender, just, like, like machine workers just putting lightning into the machines. Like, it's a skill that just exists, you know? Like, it's not that special anymore. And right. I think, like that captured that that perfect kind of natural progression where it's just like, oh yeah, like you thought this was a big deal back then. It's not now, it's really, really common because people, we've evolved as a species. To see like, oh, you thought Darth Vader was badass? Oh, he's never stopped, stopped a blaster bullet in midair. He stopped one with his hand, but like it's never happened. So I, that just got me so giddy and made me love Kylo Ren. Um, and then, yeah. It, but but then I also have this like really, um, the the memory of seeing that interrogation scene for the first time with Ray and Kylo. Um, I just thought it was really really intense. I had no idea what was going on. I was super sucked into the story, and I was slightly aroused. <laughs> Can I say that is that okay? <laughs> yeah, no, by all means. I don't know. There was something like there's something. We're learning like a lot about our our third guest here, guys. <laughs> there was something like I don't know there was something erotic about it but that aside I thought it was super intense and I loved how like the second that she started reading his mind was when it flipped for me and I was just like alright I'm very interested in this girl's story now regardless of whether they do or don't tell it in the next movie um, exactly but um, I was very into Ray at that moment so I loved both of those moments from uh, the Force Awakens. 
Ed, do you want to go off of the, that one if you have any other points you want to make? I mean, yeah, the stasis thing for me, it was honestly, it was hard to try and come up with any sort of uh, sequel trilogy moment if you're just talking the movies. Mm. Uh, because, yeah, that, that moment for me was just like, oh, oh, wait, that's for stasis. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, okay. Like, I've only seen it used on people. Like, this is this is good. Go on. Go on, and then after all, when he just releases it, and it just like everybody's forgotten about it, it's just hanging in the air there. And he's like, "Okay, I'm gone." And it just crashes into that middle post, and you see a few of the troopers jump, and they're like, "Oh, oh, right, yeah, oh, mm. that's still dangerous." It's not like he <laughs> turned it off or anything. Yeah, just there. So, yeah, that for me, uh, before anything that comes out in December, I'd say that would have to be the top spot right now. Mm. All right, uh, Noma. Uh, yeah, so mine will be a bit interesting because I know that it's a scene that a lot of people actually don't like. But for me, it was the scene when uh, Kylo has his first freak out and just <laughs> just starts no. going at the console with the lightsaber and just decimating it. And I always I always that was what made me that was the moment that first made me interested in him, in him as the character, because before it was just all kind of. Like the blaster bolt was interesting, and all the other stuff that he did was, kind of, you know, the Poe interrogation. But for me, that was the moment where I saw that and I went, "Oh, okay, this this isn't a Darth Vader clone. He's he's not just oh we've made a new bad guy and he looks cooler than the old guy. It was oh you know he, he, he this that scene shows me something. He's not as composed. He's not as mature. He's trying desperately. You know, he he doesn't have quite as as good a handle on his emotions and." I don't know. It, it was a really short but really good character development scene that really made me more interested in in the movie, the movie's villain at that point. Yeah, uh, you know what I think is really interesting about that. If I could take off that, yeah, is uh, I loved what you said about you know he is a different character. His emotions aren't stable, <clears throat> and we're always in in my head. We're always talking about how the dark side is just fueled by anger, 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 and it seems that like. Almost all the dark side villains are super calm, cool, and collected. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, it's like, passion, never, really. Yeah, they're never angry. Like they're Apart never maybe Ventress in the Clone Wars. Yeah, but I mean, she's an exception. Have, like they have their moments and stuff, but For mostly sure. it's just like the stoic Vader, yep. the stoic Emperor, <clears throat> you know, the stoic Maul for the Snoke. most part. But mm. Snoke, like they're all these just like calculated type of villains, um, and then. And then you see this guy just like a fit of rage, just like completely destroying everything. And everyone's like, oh, he's such a baby. I'm just like, or is this exactly what the dark side's like if you're right. a child yeah, yeah. singing? Mm -hmm. Or is this extremely accurate? And I love, you know, seeing a, a character who struggles between dark and light that actually has those temper tantrums and exemplifies what makes the dark side powerful in the force, first place, which is just like, just like raw anger that you can't control. So I, I think I agree. Like, I, I love that about him. And yeah, I think Kylo Ren is the most interesting thing in the, the sequel trilogy. Uh, oh, if you are really interested in Kylo Ren, there is a new comic series coming out soon, uh, written by, I would say, one of the best comic book uh, writers in the industry, Charles Soule. And it's called um, The Rise of Kylo Ren, I think, or something like that. Um, oh, neat. And it talks about him and the Knights of Ren and, like, how all that kind of started. 
So definitely something to the look into. They feel bad that they haven't given it to us yet. They're just like, God damn it, let's make a comic series. <laughs> exactly. And I think Charles Everyone's Soul, screaming about it. Yeah. <laughs> Charles um, wrote one of the Darth Vader series, and it was amazing. It was yeah, so good. I still got to give a track. I, I got to give, uh, give those a try. For sure. Mm. Noma, uh, mm. something interesting for you that you'll like, especially from that moment. Um, after that movie came out and that moment was there, uh, in the Old Republic, which if you're still playing it right now, mm. there actually is like a resting, like you know when you recover your health and your whatever your energy resources. Yeah. Oh, um, no. One of them is actually just like you take a, a like a red lightsaber and just decimate a console. <laughs> like, There's an emote kind of thing going yeah, on. <laughs> I have it. I as soon as as soon as it came out, I got it out of like a loot box and I was like, dude, yes. Keep and it's been on all my Sith Lord since. It's just been like just destroy <laughs> this thing and look. I'm getting HP back. You and go. you even take a break where like you're tired and you're resting your hands on the console, then you're like, no, a couple more. I'm so mad. And you're so <laughs> smash it. It's cathartic oh, to watch your character amazing. just beat the crap out of a console. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I might it's have like 15 to seconds that now. of just pure rage. I'll try to find the name for you, but it's it's amazing. That's yeah. great. <laughs> um, as for my favorite sequel trilogy moment, I know this one's controversial with a lot of people, but I just remember the the moment I had in the theater when I first saw it was the hyperspace like missile or jump in episode eight and mm. where the ship goes through like all of the star destroyers and just destroys them all. I just remember the, the music and all the sound just left the theater, left the whole theater, just completely silent. The scene happened and everyone just gasped and I just couldn't, like I couldn't believe it. And it, it, just that feeling in a star Wars movie, I don't think I've ever had something that, um, powerful happen yeah and it was jarring. it was and you weren't expecting it i don't think to be that um that powerful or that moving so that's why i would say the hyperspace jump it's something that i always like to watch no matter how how unrealistic it may be in in terms of like space combat and stuff it's just it's breathtaking yeah it's just even if people aren't a f like like, I'm not a fan of episode eight, and I'm not a fan, like, I'm just not a fan of it. But, like, even if you're not a fan, you have to admit that that movie is visually stunning. And mm -hmm. that moment that you're talking about is, if it's not impressive in terms of storytelling, it's visually impressive. Like, there, there's, I feel like there's an angle, there's an angle that anybody would like that scene. Just because I think it's super impressive in terms of, like, sound design and like visually what they were able to to create cuz it is super powerful like you said. Okay. Um <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to throw a throw a curve here since, since Bobby and I shared that uh, moment. I decided like you know what I kept thinking I was like I got to come up with uh, with a unique one too. Um god, I cannot believe I'm referencing this movie. Oh my god. Uh episode 8 when Kylo and all the forces bring everything to bear on <coughs> Hoth, um um uh, <laughs> No, it's uh, salt, salt man. Planet. Salt planet, sorry, not snow. Um they put it in red Himalayan salt. Like you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Luke steps out to just face him. He's yeah. out there on his own, and they're all like, t like you can see just how how much bigger they are than ATATs. Yeah. Uh, and they're all like focused on him, and it's just like, okay. I know exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. One Jedi. Like I, you're you're Luke, but oh my god. 
and then they all just he's like fire basically the whole fire everything yeah and they just let loose and you're like well yeah what was that gonna come oh Oh, you're fine. Oh, well, of course you're fine. You're Luke. I, I don't know why I was nervous. I mean, there was nothing to be nervous about. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, he's just chilling out there being like, hey, come at me, bro. Like, that was... At that are moment. you referring to the dust off the shoulder yeah. thing? Yup. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that's where... Like, that is where in these movies where I'm just like, all right, the people at Star Wars don't know what they're doing. Like, they don't... <laughs> Like, they don't understand what makes this movie special because that is a... Or makes this franchise special. That, that was a pure fan. That scheme-type thing that humans do does does not exist in the Star Wars world. That's it was more... In that moment, it was more of, like, a Mark Hamill was... Like, that's a Mark yeah. Hamill thing to do instead of a Luke thing to do? It was very weird and out of character and out of universe. And, like, I didn't even care that he was there and we all knew that he wasn't going to die. They weren't just going to murder him right then and there. And when he showed up, I was just like, oh, I'm interested to know how he did it. But then he did the dust off the shoulder. I'm, I'm just like, all right, why didn't he just dab? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like that's what it felt like to me. And, and Give it another it, 10 years, and then we'll get one where he's dabbing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's what it tells me. Well, it'll be a different thing by then. It'll be a dab. Everyone's now hitting the friggin', I don't know, what, what's the progression of dab? Hitting the, it, it, I don't it's know. The, it's the Fortnite dance. That's this. Um... But yeah, like with things like that where I'm just like, oh, guys, you're you're literally taking me out of the movie in a movie that I feel like is supposed to be bringing me on like the most expansive universe in all of cinema, mm -hmm. um, which is weird because like I want to know more. I felt the same thing in something similar like Black Panther, where they're putting all these weird pop culture references into like this super foreign world. And I'm just like, why? Why are you doing this? I want to know more about this universe. I don't want to be reminded of my own shitty culture. Mm. You know? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, don't give me this. That's, I, I'm that's completely fair. I'm escaping reality here. Like, come on. All right. But then we can't sell as many porgs. That's exactly. what we needed. That's, oh, I did say that the movie, the movie looked good. I thought the porgs looked terrible. Oh, <laughs> you know why they had the porgs, right? Um, no. Why? Because no. Skellig Island has lots of puffins and they they couldn't edit them all out oh that's right and that's why they uh, had to come uh, up with the the porg thing to make uh sting yeah interesting stuff I thought, I thought they were gonna act as like a you know another thing that i think that you know they didn't really get right was uh they didn't really show like chewbacca grieving at all or anything like that and uh it's i that thought one moment where he he was really yeah. raging and i thought mm. that i thought that um, they were going to almost act as like a service animal for Chewbacca. Like he would just be really sad and maybe the Porgs would end up cheering him up. It was kind of just like, a, you know, he pets them and it, they calm him down or something like that. And I feel like that would have been a nice way to spin it. But no, they were just annoying. Yeah, because we just marketing. <laughs> we just need these. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. What are you going to do? Yeah, well, like, exactly. See, I, I'm not Feuding the whole dust off the shoulder thing. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of, let's go back to what the whole, you know, uh, Kylo as a, you know, he's still young and he's fighting with everything. And it's just like, you know, all my emotions, where do I stand? Especially when you see him, uh, his reaction to Leia and everything when she's with the, when she's with the ship and he's like, can I fire the rockets? Can I? No, I went full dark side with daddy. Oh, why can't I do it with mommy? Um, yeah. 
And then, you know, so he still has all this raw emotion in him. And for Luke just to be like, hey, you threw everything at me and it did nothing. Sup. Kind of just like that's what really brings him out there. He's like, I'll just do this myself kind of thing, whatever moment. So, like, I I, I took that spin on it mm. rather than a kind of, oh, hey, it's 20, whenever it came out. I don't care about eight that much to remember. But, <laughs> um, but in terms of like that, just to be like, I'm just going to piss you off, kid. Come on. And even like calling him kid and stuff like that. It's, it's all just to get a reaction. Because he, he knows what gets under his skin. Yeah. No, the, the see around kid. I thought that was a cute yeah. line. I liked that. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. All right. Uh, now that we're done that, we can actually get into the meat of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ed, do you want to tell the listeners about our new show? Yeah, so in this half of the new show, what uh, what we tend to discuss, we talk about new releases ranging anywhere and with anything to do with video games. That could be any new releases. Haha, there's been a pretty big release recently, actually. Uh, TV shows, another big release. Comics, books, movies, any general news regarding anything from the fandom to rumors that we've heard board games and miniatures and we have bobby downey with us for that uh, events and any any news relating to the star wars fandom all right and noma do you want to let the listeners know how to contact the podcast unless they want to yell at us about sequel trilogy moments <laughs> <laughs> of course so there's a couple ways to get a hold of us uh one is through our email which is voice of the force at gmail.com you can also get a hold of us through Twitter. We are at Voice Force Pod, and uh, also if you if you can retweet our new episode tweets, it does help with our growing listener base and is very much appreciated. We've also got Facebook, and that is Facebook.com/slash Voice Force Pod. And you can listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on just a couple things. For now, sorry, <laughs> I don't want to cut in here, but. Yeah. Uh, oh. Should we let our guests attempt the challenge? Oh, uh, do we want to do that now or at the end? I mean, he gets the it's a trial run now, and then you can polish it up. <laughs> Bobby, would you be interested in trying to save this little piece here uh, as fast as you can? Yeah, we've been we've been testing ourselves okay. to see okay. who can do it the best. <laughs> oh, this is fun. Okay, as fast as I can, just as fast as you can do it. Okay, uh, I'm gonna try and go for. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try and do it fast, but understandably fast. Sure, sounds <clears throat> accuracy. Okay, <sighs> listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on uh, Apple Music, uh, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Pocket Runs, and Podbean. There you go. Awesome. Nice. Was mm. that fast? Did I win? Uh, you did really <laughs> well. I think you did better than Noma. Yeah, and, I, I well, I, I was faster, but I also just gave up partway through. So yeah, you, you definitely just, did better. Tongue, your tongue just. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple. I had a couple of slip ups, but maybe yeah, maybe I can. Maybe I can try it again at the end and for sure. And you know, maybe yeah. I redeem myself just a little bit. Yeah, All right. definitely. <laughs> uh, remember to review because it helps with our visibility, and you can subscribe for free on the uh, for the latest podcast episode as soon as it releases on any of those platforms. Okay, now into the meat of the episode. Uh, we're going to get into our discussion topics. Uh, the books and comics stuff is pretty quick. Um, so, Ed, get us in there. Awesome. Now, we do have some exciting news. 
Anthony Daniels' memoirs of I Am C-3PO is now available. Um, Anthony Daniels, Dan, remind me, but the whole C-3PO, uh, Anthony Daniels stuff, he didn't, did he actually enjoy the role or was he really, was he really uh, kind of like a, oh my God, why am I forgetting his name right now? Harrison Ford, kind of, you know, I'm doing it, but he's not my favorite thing to do. Uh, kind from, of character. From what I know, um, and the things that I've heard Anthony Daniels talk about um, at conventions and on interviews online and stuff like that, he really did enjoy the role of C-3PO. Um, though I believe at first, since um, you know the first scene in Episode Four where you see C-3PO and R2D2 go down um, from the Tantive Four to Tatooine, all of the scenes on Tatooine, he was in that suit and walking in boiling hot uh, temperatures in this metal suit. Um, very uncomfortable at those moments, but I think overall as um, representing the characters, C-3PO being that character throughout every single Star Wars movie, um, he had a positive experience with it for sure. All right. Now, Dan, I know you're going to be excited for this next one as well. Dr. Afra, who's arguably one of your favorite characters right now, if not your favorite character in, next to Boba Fett. In comics, she's she's up there. She's pretty awesome. But yes, the Dr. Afra comic series. We're starting right back with Dr. Afra number one. It's going to be by Alyssa Wong and Marika's, I don't want to butcher your last name, I'm sorry, Cresta. And this is launching in April 2020. So there's going to be a lot of things in April next year. I'm not oh, going to yes. have any time whatsoever. And that's around the same time as uh, Celebration this uh, upcoming year. So uh, keep your eye out for that. Or no, is Celebration in August this year? I can't remember. Oh, that's right. I think it's in August because they usually have it in April. So uh, have you guys? Do you guys go to Star Wars Celebration? We actually went to the last one in Chicago, and it was Ed and Noma's first time. It was my third time, and we went as a podcast. Um and it was fantastic. Uh, I yeah. don't know. Do you about... recommend it? Like, oh, would you? Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. Yeah. Wow. For, like, what for makes it like? Is it just be Is it just a convention? Like, what makes it better? Because we do conventions all the time. I'm not like a huge fan, like of con. I just think it's like stuffy, and there's just so many people. Get, yeah. And yeah, mm. I don't. So, like, for example, like. Disney World has Star Wars Land now, or whatever the hell they call it, yep. and everyone's like, Galaxy's "Oh, it's Edge." <laughs> but like, I don't know if I'm interested in going. But like, from from someone who loves Star Wars, is it worth it to go, even if you're not into like huge convention scenes? I would say yes, only because it's a convention like un like no other, because it is focused on one thing, Star Wars, and there is literally. If you're in a line with anybody at, at the convention or if you're, um, you know, just sitting down for for a meal or something, you can literally turn to somebody and just talk about Star Wars. Yeah. No matter where you are or what type of Star Wars you like or if you're looking for certain merchandise or just wanted to go see the art or, you know, meet a, meet a celebrity. Yeah. Everything there is Star Wars. And it's – it's I understand exactly what you're saying with being stuffy. Like there's – in Toronto here we have uh, Fan Expo Canada. Yep. And that is super stuffy when you go into the dealer's room and it's, it can be very claustrophobic um, for certain people. But when you get to a convention that's like Star Wars Celebration, 
their venues they use are the same convention spaces, but I feel like they use their space well that it doesn't feel claustrophobic. You have lots of space to walk. There's lots of um, people there that, you know, if they're in costumes, they walk to the side. They don't just stop in the middle of an aisle and take pictures. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's well... That is the worst. Sorry? <laughs> that is the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're walking through and then there's like a big cosplayer, which is a fantastic thing because it, it takes a lot of effort and time to do it. But they oh, stop yeah. in the middle and you're like, okay, and I got to wait. But yeah, the, you know. the, the one little asterisk I'd add onto there is it's it's an amazing con to go to and I definitely recommend it depending on what they're doing that year. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, when we went, it was, uh, you know, we, we were looking at, you know, Star Wars Episode Nine first release, Clone Wars Season 7, Mandalorian, Galaxy's yeah. Edge opening, all the, and so every day there were a couple things we're really excited for. Yeah. But for, yeah, but for, for next year, we all kind of decided that we, we might not go next year because I think the only thing they've got in their lineup right now was the Galaxy's Edge Hotel. And yeah, for something like that, it's more like, uh, okay, I'm not it seems like I'm interested in that. Well, it's exactly, so interesting. Right? It's so interesting. That makes me really excited. The hotel, yeah. Have you <laughs> seen the concept for it? Fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. That, that is something. I'm way more interested going to that than going okay. to a convention. That yeah. sounds like so cool because it's a personal experience. Yes. Yeah, that's true. It's not an experience you're sharing with like tens of thousands of people. It's it's more personal and tailored to you or whoever you go with and stuff. So yeah. I think that's cool. I think the one thing about the Star Wars conventions that I kind of – like we, we've been attending anime conventions and like Fan Expo for, for years, almost a probably a decade at this point. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Star Wars is that – you go and every year you you make new friends and make new contacts and you're just able to um, connect with people on a level that it's hard to do at conventions that don't have that single mindset of like, this is why we're here. We're here for Star Wars. Whether you're here for Clone Wars, whether you're here for the new movie or the new theme park or whatever it is, we're here for Star Wars. And we all same thing. Exactly. And people <laughs> love different parts of it. And that's the best part about, I think, attending something like star wars celebration is just being able to be there with people and connect with people that you wouldn't normally connect with in in your day-to-day life at work or whatever yeah so yeah well, that's great well i'll i'll look into it or i'll see if wormwood wants to send me you know what if they do we will uh definitely be there with uh with our podcast <laughs> <laughs> well hell yeah it'd be awesome uh, Ed, what else do we have for books and comics? See, now here's where my interest completely lies because we have Darth Vader number one coming back to us in February 2020. So that's going to be personally a birthday gift to myself, really. Uh, but I was excited when the series was launched in 2016. It kind of restarted again. I think it was last year. 2017. Yeah, 2017. And to see it come back again, because, you know, never get enough Vader, really. There's been Vader content since 2015, and it has not stopped. I love it. And I am all I am all for it. So this one is going to be done by Greg Puck. And honestly, I'm just looking forward to seeing more. Because uh, for the cover, it looks like we have Death Troopers with him as well. So if he's, if he's going on some kind of crazy just assault on something just to start it off, like how he did with the with the uh, cantina fight i think and that was like one of the earlier vader issues for his re-release was that was already great so i can't wait to see where they go with this one but february 2020 
Vader number one coming out. Mm. Now, one I think we'll all enjoy uh, is the Legends of Luke Skywalker manga. And that one's coming out. All we know so far is that it's going to be early 2020. But this was announced at uh, New York Comic Con, I believe. And it's going to be it's going to be done by. Uh, well, I'll just read this right off of here. It's Viz Media, fresh off a huge weekend of announcements at New York Comic Con, has officially released the press kit for their just acquired manga publishing rights to Star Wars The Legends of Luke Skywalker by Ken Liu. Now, they talked about it on their panel on Saturday, but then Lucasfilm Publishing also talked about it a day before as well. So the picture of Luke they have is great because they really show him... Like, we forget how old Luke was when the whole series started. And it's like 19 is still really young. If that's not... He was 19, yeah? Uh, Possibly slightly younger. I honestly don't remember his age. <clears throat> I want to say he was slightly younger than 19. But this, I think this takes place after episode five or six. I don't remember. All we know is that he is too old. Yes. <laughs> too old. He's too old. But the cover itself just looks intriguing. He's got, he's still got his dad's lightsaber. It's, he's got this look in his eyes that's just like, oh, I'm going to do something awesome. But it's that, it's that young indomitable fearless kind of look and i really am excited for this one and it done in manga form we've got we've had uh, lost stars that was done so far that was amazingly well done still gotta read that so, oh man it, it's great i think uh, noma you you read that one as well yeah mm -hmm. the only thing that as, noma as did when he read it was that he made sure that he covered up any pictures of cyanary any hey, dialogue <laughs> i'm i'm fine with her character right up until the end when she does the thing that makes no sense <laughs> yeah. Other than that, her character is fine. It's just they. It's it's the same kind of thing. It's the problem the new trilogy always does, where they hit a certain point and they go, "But we need her to be relevant to the new stuff." So she's going to make the choice that doesn't make sense right now. <clears throat> that's that's the problem I have with her. So new manga, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, early twenty twenty. I yeah, just ready. looked up the cover. Um, cause I actually didn't know about this. This is super interesting. Cause I would, I would read the, like any star Wars manga. I would probably read it for the artwork alone. Yeah, no, it's exactly. the lost stars. One is amazing. Like the artwork looks really good. I still have to read it, but I've seen screenshots of it and my God. Like imagine, um, imagine the battle of Hoth done in a manga form. Like you, mm. it's, it just gets so much more intense. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge anime fan. Well, I, I don't know if I'd say huge. I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of of anime just in general. So like any adaptations like that, I'm just a I'm just like a huge fan of the overall style and aesthetic alone. Yeah, it just oh, brings I, more I, I think more emotion to it, too. <laughs> like there's there's different ways that manga and comics can show something rather than in film or in a in a novel, right? With just words. Yeah. Now I think anim, anime is a super kind of evocative type of type of type of style where like every single expression will have like even the voice actors that do it they'll just put like a little uh, ooh, uh, like on everything like everything needs to be so expressive yeah and, like, that's one of like my biggest draws to it awesome nice. uh noma do you want to get us into the video game side of stuff <laughs> all right so i'll start off with the one that we're all definitely super excited for Yes. Which is that uh, 
No, I'm, I'm going with the second one first. So, <laughs> oh my god! This is the one there's that Ed was super excited about. I know. There's a there's a stormtrooper skin that's gonna be now available in Fortnite for all us cool teenagers. <laughs> Your aim gets slightly worse when you get that when you get that skin. I wish. <laughs> it really should come with the E11 though. That would that would be great. To That'd see. be awesome. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, yay, Stormtroopers, I guess, for Fortnite. We've done Thanos <laughs> and Captain America. Yay. Bobby, also, do you play Fortnite? <laughs> do you play Fortnite, Bobby? Uh, no. Nah. Um, I don't do any, um, I don't like shooters. I just don't like shooters. More story. I, I, I think they're, yeah, I need, like, a good RPG. Um, I loved Force Unleashed. I love Zelda. I love, like, Jack and Daxter, I love yes. Superman. Hey. Um, you know, I love the the Spider-Man games, Ratchet and Clank. Yes. Uh, oh wow, such good titles. Yeah, things like that are things that interest me, things that have a world. I mean, it's the reason why I love Star Wars, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, games where it's just kind of like a you know, a never-ending just like shoot this person. I um where it's more of a competitive field instead of a plot-driven. Yeah. Game. I love, I love, um, uh, even watching it, I think is kind of boring. Cause I love watching video games, um, like rocket league, people playing rocket league. I'll just watch that all day. It's like watching any other sport. Basically. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, there's just something about shooters, man, that I never got me into. I think it's cause I'm not a gun guy. I don't mean that in like a political way. I'm just saying like, I don't think guns are super cool. You know what I mean? Like some people just get so hard for guns. Like but it also just... comes back to like the martial arts, I think too, right? Like. It's yeah. all your body and going from that, but no, you're right. You're definitely right. You're, it's because like my dad was a karate guy. Like my dad didn't have a gun underneath his bed. He had like nunchucks. So <laughs> he did. Don't mess did. with Bobby's he, dad, guys. He's my got mom, nunchucks. My mom and my dad both had wooden nunchucks underneath their bed. Uh, nice. Growing up. Well, <laughs> as as a podcast full of Canadians, we definitely uh, can relate to not being super interested in the gun. <laughs> yeah it's just i don't know it's boring it's boring to me mm, definitely well on to uh some news that is not boring thankfully for any of us uh the other announcement is that jedi fallen order is now available mm. and uh apparently according to the entire podcast i'm the only one who played it so far and if you are a podcast listener you might find that ironic because I've been saying how much I was not going to get that game. Wait, wait, wait. Noma, Noma. <laughs> Remind the listeners what we all agreed to on the podcast where we we weren't going to do something. Oh, yeah, I'm, but I'm a weak, weak man. Yeah, so I, I completely <laughs> forgot that we had all agreed we weren't going to pre-order this, and I went on a long rant about how I can't trust anything with EA. And uh, so two things happened, at least for me. The first was that I... Or I guess three things. The first was that I saw the uh, second gameplay demo which showed that the game wasn't like I had thought. It was not just a really kind of generic action-adventure featuring lightsabers uh, kind of game. It was more of a kind of Sekiro clone, and that really interested me. The second thing that happened was, and this is still technically a rumor, so I'm not 100% sure, but there was a lot of talk going around that EA was actually trying to tank this game. Um that's why there wasn't any marketing and there wasn't any big promos going on for it because they wanted it to fit their narrative that people don't want single-player story-based games. They just want live-action service that comes out as garbage games. Um, so that made me interested as well. 
And then the third, and this is what Dan was getting at with the no pre-orders, is that the pre-order came with an orange lightsaber color. And that's my favorite color. <laughs> and as soon as I saw that, I collapsed. You're like, that's mine? I need it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and, and I kind of pre-ordered it that day. That's the secret sauce to get you to buy. Those cosmetics, exactly. man. Throw some orange in there. That's that's my Star Wars heroine, is all you need is an <laughs> orange lightsaber color. <laughs> it's all you need. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, so I've put about six hours into the game right now. I won't spoil anything for anybody. Um, Everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's it's interesting because also I don't I I never watched anything that the main actor is in, so I never saw Gotham or I never saw any of the other stuff. So this is kind of my first experience seeing him, and he's he's not bad. He's playing it. It's it's a little generic of the you know guy out of water. Um, the certain ways that he inflects his tone, you know, he's trying to come off as kind of naive and he doesn't really know the ways of the world. Um, uh, that's absolutely fine. I, I the weird thing with me is it's I'm about six hours in, and I can't tell whether or not I hate the game. I either hate it or love it, and it flip flops real quickly back and forth. Mm. How's the combat? So the combat is that's one of the reasons I can't tell if I like it or not because the combat I would best describe it as janky Sekiro. Okay. So if you if yeah. you aren't familiar with Sekiro, it's kind of like no, my I guess you guys would be best oh, yeah. to describe because you've played those games. I, uh, what you're saying I've beaten I'm a crazy person who's beaten it three times uh, <laughs> yeah so it, uh, Sekiro yeah if you don't know it, it, it's from FromSoft it's the makers of Dark Souls so Ooh. it's very yeah oh, so it's very much in that same kind of, of feel except uh, if you ever played a Dark Souls game you're very slow in those games in Sekiro you're very fast and it's a big emphasis on blocking because if you block, you can. That's the the main way to kind of damage enemies is blocking stuff. And Jedi Fallen Order has done the same thing, except they're focusing, from what I can tell at least, they're focusing more on just kind of normal game mechanics. Because FromSoft, the big thing was, or sorry, they're not focusing more on game mechanics. They're focusing more on kind of a, an overall game experience. Because um, FromSoft really, really nails down the game mechanics. So one thing that, that's really been messing with me a lot lately is that when you do a block animation, you can't then cancel into another block animation. That's something Sekiro does really, really well, is, is every time you're tapping that trigger, you're doing a new block. In Fallen Order, you don't. So there's been a bunch of times where I'll block a move and I mistime the block, so I get hit. Then I go to hit block again, but then because I've already locked that in, I'll just take three or four hits in a row. So you can't get used to that. Yeah, and exactly, right? So I'll keep doing the thing, expecting the Sekiro blocking to come in, and it doesn't happen. There's a, another uh, There's a, another thing as well where um, Sekiro has a lot of, of animation cancels. So, you know, you can go into a jump and then cancel that into a block. It's just, just to make the game uh, give you a lot of control so that you know it's your fault when you die in that game because you just weren't up to par. But in Fallen Order, all your animations have to finish first. Like these are all, all the reasons I don't like, that I don't like the game are very minute, but basically what it comes down to is it'll be things like, I'll jump because I think I'm dodging a melee attack, then I'll see a blast ball coming, I can't block that, I get hit, I, I get hit again, I die. Mm. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's, all the reasons I don't like it are very nitty gritty. If you're not interested in that, because granted, I'm also playing on the second hardest difficulty right now, you are um, a, a, a yeah a glutton for punishment for sure, especially yeah, exactly. with the FromSoft games. Well, and, and I originally started it on that because I was told that's or from the reviews I'd seen, everyone was saying that's the difficulty to put it on to make it like Sekiro. 
Um, and it kind of has been. I just need to get used to the system. But other than that kind of stuff, the story has been pretty good. It starts off a little bit generic, gets very good later on. Um, the game itself looks gorgeous. It, it really, really feels like you're in a Star Wars game. There's a couple little things with the levels. There's a lot of platforms that just you just jump off and like there's a every planet that I've been on there's sections where you just run off edges and die <laughs> which is a little bit weird especially one of the planets you go to where you're just like oh nice meadows and this cliffs that fall into darkness and you're oh okay that's kind of kind of messing with my expectations um but then I'll get to points where you know I'll fight bosses and I'll I'll take them on perfectly cuz I you know I just have a good run and then I feel like I am that you know I am a jedi yeah, because there's one mechanic in the game that I definitely like, which is uh, they have the kind of block meter that Sekiro has, and they've kind of made it interesting where, so most of the time if you're fighting melee enemies, you it only takes one or two hits to actually kill them, but they have the block up, and that kind of is the, the whole That's what you have mechanic. Get to get a, exactly, right? So that then you can hit them seven or eight times and they're just blocking. And a lot of ranged enemies, uh, they're a lot weaker because of that. So there's a good balance in, in those kind of things. And like I said, there's nothing in the game that's really... I think the most important thing to me is there's nothing I've run into in the game so far that's jumped out to me and been like, this isn't Star Wars. Like we were talking about the Luke dabbing thing. Or sorry, Luke dabbing. Yeah. <laughs> the, Luke, the Luke shoulder brush thing. Luke did dab in do. episode 8. Let's just okay. oh, be, my, cl- let's be clear on that. He did dab in episode 8. I, I would have tried, <laughs> tried to burn down Lucasfilm. <laughs> I mean, what else would you do to just a bunch of haters? Like, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like, right? You dab on all those haters. Yeah, you, you got to show the first order. The empire. Um, <laughs> you know, you touched on something really good, which I think is the key to, like, a video game like this success, which is, like, oh, my God, I got this. I feel like a Jedi. Once you oh, finally right. get it. To me, to me, if the video game has that, like, if I feel that when I'm playing the video game, ooh, I, I feel like a Jedi right now, mm-hmm. the, for me, that's what will make the video game succeed or fail, like, in my eyes. Because oh, yeah. like, if you watch, like, Spider-Man, or, or if you um, if you played the new, the new Spider-Man, I think that's one of the biggest things about it, was just like, oh, my God, I feel like my abilities are just at my fingertips right now. Literally, I really do feel like I'm Spider-Man, and that's why I feel like it's so good. So oh, yeah, yeah, the web swing. One of the uh, reasons I loved Force Awakens because I did feel like I could just like rip anything with the Force and just throw it around and just do whatever I want and just like completely abuse my powers. You mean Force Unleashed? Oh, what did I say? Uh, Force Awakens. Oh my bad. Yes, Force, yeah, Force Unleashed. I think yeah. <laughs> sorry. No, that's all right. I was like Force Awakens. When you're in theaters, you're just like throwing stuff around, popcorn. How the hell do you put a <laughs> Take but this! I, Ow! <laughs> I'm a Jedi! <laughs> but actually, yeah, and going off of uh, what Bobby just said, that is, I, I was, yeah, I was actually, uh, I can't, like, or, sorry, lost my train of thought, but, um, you yeah, know, the, the, with, with what Bobby said, that, that's something that also really made me feel like a Jedi. So I guess this is very minor spoilers if you haven't seen anything from the game, but you're playing a Jedi, you know what's going to happen. You get Force Push at one point, mm-hmm. and oh my god, the Force Push has some real weight behind it. Like, yeah. when you when you do that move, you really, you see the guys go flying, and you really feel like that's the full Force Push power. Nice. Which, I mean, you know, Force Force Unleashed had something like that as well, but... I don't think it had the, 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 the weight behind it. 
exactly. There, there, there is a a big difference. So, granted, I can't do the thing in Force Unleashed where I pick up Stormtrooper, spin him in circles, and then fire him off into yeah. space. Um, <laughs> but with what they've got, it it works really, really well. Good to hear. Uh, that's good. Mm. That the force. That's good to hear about the force powers. That's... I'm excited to play this game during the Christmas break. That's that's everything. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think anyone who plays this and is a Star Wars fan, whatever they think of the mechanics, they will very much enjoy the experience. Mm. Awesome. Well, that's good. Good to know. I'm mm. glad that uh, EA didn't didn't destroy the game for Unoma. Oh yes, yeah. like that that was a really big thing that we were we were worried about. Is that would they be able to do a story based game with good mm. combat and no microtransactions? Like just. Just these basic things that you'd think you get in a video game from, you know, the Ratchet and Clank era or whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, f I feel like this is the same case as Apex Legends where um, EA didn't care about it. So they were allowed to actually do what they wanted. Because you look at any of the games that EA actually wanted that I was a fan of. Uh, I guess Dragon Age Inquisition is a misno is a one off, but Andromeda, Anthem, Mass Effect Three, all these games that EA put a bunch of oversight in and they ruined them, right? Um, so when I see games like this and I kind of realize that, yeah, exactly, there's not a bunch of things that are locked behind paywalls and stuff like that. That kind of shows me that it's probably in the same camp as as Apex. Nice. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, let's get into the movie stuff. Uh, this one, uh, I just had a, a fun little thing here. Um, it was from the Star Wars show. I was watch. I was catching up on all the old YouTube uh, Star Wars show they have on the Star Wars YouTube channel with uh, Andy Gutierrez and Anthony Carboni. And there was a little segment they had in one of them that was telling you, like, it showed you the scene of the Kessel Run. And every time that something happened to the Falcon, it would tell you what got damaged and how much that cost. And at the very end, it told you, the total cost of the damages to the Falcon. So I figured it'd be a fun little like quiz for everybody. If we try to figure out how many credits did the Millennium Falcon take in damage during the Kessel run. So uh, let's start with Ed. Ed, what do you think? How many credits worth of damage did the Millennium Falcon take during the Kessel run? Ooh, since it was Lando's at the time. It also doesn't help that we so, don't really understand how much a credit is worth, but uh, yeah. try your best. Just try your say, best. Like, are these imperial credits? Like, what? Yeah, these. I have no idea. And are I don't. Are they? Are, are they the weird Mon Calamari credits from Mandalorian? Oh, oh yeah. the little blobs. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Man. They even had a like squishy sound to them and everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I'm gonna say between the does it have to be like a set number or can it be a range? I would say if you guess it, we'll say if you get it within like. I don't know, 500 credits or 1,000 credits, that you'll get it. 15 million credits. Okay, 15 million. All right, uh, Noma. Um, well, I'll be a, a super nerd here, and I'll go off my vague knowledge of the uh, Edge of the Empire RPG book. <laughs> so You RPG nerd, that, you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to pretend I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, 800,000. 800,000, okay. And Bobby, what do you think? Okay, this is... I, I don't think this may... The, I have no idea. Okay. Like, I, can, I could I'm, not even begin, but my arbitrary... Before you say anything, I, I'm, gonna, okay. I'm just going to give you a hint. Oh, oh, okay. Both of those guesses are way above how much it costs. Okay. Really? My... <laughs> My initial, like, my gut guess, what I was going to say, 
before you even said that was 56,000 credits. Okay. I don't um, know why. It just came to me. So, the total damage done to the Millennium Falcon during the Kessel Run was 87,500 credits. Oh. Some of the <laughs> wow. Things, yeah, some of the things that were damaged on the Falcon included the freight elevator, a fresh water tank, thrust vector plate times four, forward starboard hull plate, anti-concussion field generator, aft starboard hull plate, heat vents, civilian telesponder, um, starboard hull plates, lots of plates that just got ripped off, um, military-grade deflector shield generator, <laughs> literally almost everything. <laughs> so dorsal heavy this, laser cannon. Does this include the crash onto the planet as well? Uh, that, yes, it does. Hmm. So yeah, that. Wait, does that include the escape pod? That's a fun yep, fact. That uh, which oh. one? Let me just. I remember because they they put all the names of all the things that were done on it. Uh, that was called the auxiliary craft, and that was that was an expensive one, from what hmm. I remember. Okay. I mean, you I was. Know, you know what? I'm still sticking with the 15 million Duty Lando's <laughs> emotional emotional stress. It's all the capes. All, all those capes that were on there, they got destroyed. That's the 15 million right there. Yeah. I was gonna say I, I was close if you dropped a zero. Yes, <laughs> Bobby, you win. <laughs> yeah, I was about to swear. Can I swear? Is that okay? Go ahead. Go ahead. Fuck yeah. <laughs> now Eat we'll it. have to figure out a prize for you, but uh, we'll figure that out later. All right, no pressure. All right, and interestingly enough, Bobby, I don't know if you watched Game of Thrones, but I do, or I did. Um, Benioff and Weiss were the writers of the Game of Thrones TV series, yeah. um, and they are supposed—they were supposed to be working on a trilogy with uh, Lucasfilm, and it was in rumors to be kind of like the Old Republic, kind of Kotor era, um, yeah. if you remember those old games uh, mm. with like Darth Revan and everything. Mm. So they have actually yeah, those been... mini movies are like I think those mini movies from those games are like better than any star wars movie there's some ever. really good stuff in those <laughs> it's it's incredible i i love it so yeah. i was i was super on board when i heard about it um and then season eight of game of thrones happened and i got yep. slightly less excited uh, yeah. and honestly even in season seven i wasn't i didn't hop on the bandwagon i was hating game of thrones in season six um just so <laughs> you know some you know i'm you, you know i I wasn't with the uh, the, the when I started to realize it was bad. I could smell it when it was getting bad. Are you a, are you a Reddit uh, person? I am not a Reddit person. Okay. There's different there's there's different uh, Reddits for Game of Thrones, and at yeah. the time that all this was going on, there was r slash Game of Thrones, which is like the nice uh, Reddit where everyone says like nice things about Game of Thrones and whatnot. And then there's another one called r slash Free Folk. And that's where like all the non kneelers were, and they would always be like telling it how it is, and like this is terrible compared to this, and all these other things. How so, that is just beautiful fandom right there. Yeah, it was the <laughs> kneelers versus the non kneelers. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, and some really good stuff. I loved, I loved Game of Thrones. I still think, I think it fucked up its own legacy. Yeah, but yeah. nonetheless, like. When people think Game of Thrones, they're gonna think a legendary TV show, even though it didn't really quite stick the landing. Um, and yeah, I mean, when when you take, you know, D and D, you know, Benioff and Weiss, when when you take them who have been working on this, I thought it was 
such a great idea to have them because the Star Wars universe and the Game of Thrones universe, I mean, you know, Game of Thrones is practically Mandalore. You know what I mean? So when there's you, a lot of lore in there, yeah. Yeah, when you take when when you take um, something like that and give it to D and D, who have done such a great job um, up to a point with with this incredible series, I was super excited to see what they were gonna cook up and maybe see if this was uh, a good excuse to kind of like trail off and not really care about the end of Game of Thrones because you were working on something even more amazing. But now it seems like we'll never see it. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting. Like, so they're they're not working as writers on it anymore for those three three movies. But I don't know. It I, it doesn't seem like anybody's picked up. Like Lucasfilm hasn't hired new people for it, so it might be in limbo for now, or it could be that they've hired somebody or they're in talks with somebody for that uh, trilogy. So it, it'll be interesting to see um, what comes out of it. Um, I know for, for myself personally, like just because of some of the things that they did with Game of Thrones, I I would definitely had a sigh of relief. I was holding my my breath for when they were announced to be on the three movies, but then I was just like, oh, okay, this makes me feel a little bit better more about Star Wars because Star Wars is something that you know really hits home with me, and it's something that's very um, emotionally personal to me as a kid and growing up with it, and just my imagination that yeah. if if for whatever reason, say like Benny F. and Weiss did a great job with the first two movies. And then the last movie, like you said, Bobby, they're moving on to another project and they're going to something else and it just dropped the ball. That can ruin a lot of, a lot of stuff with star Wars. And I, I'm glad that that's not going to be the case, but uh, we'll see where it goes. Whatever it is, I'd really like to see them give a trilogy to a person instead of being like you can have this movie and then maybe we can get this director for this movie mm -hmm. I really think that when it comes to not only Star Wars but any like thing that has like this grand universe attached I like seeing the through line of a single person's vision I mean that was what Star Wars was built on um, I'd love to just see a story be told from beginning to end that is that is pre-thought out. It's not, all right, this movie was successful, now what happens? Because I feel like that's very apparent in this trilogy that we're seeing, yeah. where it's like something set up, and then it kind of goes in a, and you know, not that subverting expectations is a bad thing, but. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> it subverts your expectations in a bad way. Exactly. Like, just because. It could be detrimental. It yeah, I mean, like, subverting expectations is as good as subverting expectations does. Like, mm -hmm. you need to be able to do it in a satisfying way in order for it to be a good tactic at all. You need all. continuity, mm -hmm. and you need it to make sense, and you need it yeah. to have impact in a good yeah, way. It, it's just so clear that they didn't, like, think about it. And If you, you look know, at all the different things that were introduced throughout the seasons of Game of Thrones that were massive plot points in the books... Like, they were introduced, but nothing ever happened with it. Yeah. You know? It's just, like, small it's, things like that. And it's like, why? Why? It changes everything. Like, I remember when I was watching Game of Thrones, season eight, there's this one moment where uh, some of the Dothraki go up to Khaleesi, and uh, they're just like, hey, the dragons won't eat. And yeah. then she's like, all right, sick. I'll go check on them. So her and John go to check on the dragons about not eating, and... I, I was watching this and I was just like, 
him saying that was just a dumb thing to get them alone with the dragons. And if this was season three, the dragons not eating would have been a subplot for half the season. And it was because they chained them up in the bottom of a area. And then exactly it, like, like that's exactly what happened. It's like, Oh my God. That's oh. that's, it shows the, how the show's writing was completely different. I mean, not only was it bad, but it was a different style. Like this was, they were just doing like setup payoff, setup mm -hmm. payoff. We're gonna set this up, we're gonna pay this off. Instead of it being like a collective kind of kind of like overarching, like ununravelable web that just you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. it's mm -hmm. a it's just a different tactic. And, and yeah, yeah, and and no, and and exactly, right? And you can and you can see the short sightedness and you know, there are memes everywhere now, right? Danny forgot about the Iron Fleet. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody like, has a better Whoa. story than Bran. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, right? All these things people scream about because you can tell George R. R. would never have done this. And that was, and that's exactly why I was on the fence with this as well because it was like, if if they're going to adapt something into a movie, then I have more hope because they seem to have been able to do that well with early Game of Thrones. But if they're making up their own stuff, it's going to be garbage. Because, yeah, and, and, and Bobby's exactly right, right? There's two different ways to subvert expectations. You can do it, you know, throwing back. You can do it the Last Jedi way, or you can do it the Infinity War way, where one is actually subverting your expectations and, you know, surprising the audience, and the other is just for the sake of it. Just yeah, so you, it's, it yeah. seems the other one was uh, subverting the way that it's kind of like, like there's a glass of water, right? And, I, and I'm about to pour a bottle of water into the glass. But, like, instead of doing that, I, like, move my hand slightly and I pour it on the table. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm just like, aren't you entertained? You thought yeah. that was going in the glass. Yeah, like, like, exactly. No, Bobby, like, Bobby, you should do that with the new Worm Life. That's a new subverting expectations for Worm Life right there. <laughs> yeah. Just, it'll, it'll – uh, wait, does anyone – I didn't even know if anyone watched Worm oh, Life. Oh, man, I, I am up to date on Worm Life. <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah, it's it's pretty – we have our thing that we do. Thank you. I appreciate that. We have our thing that we do. We have our, like, Worm Life-isms. But, yeah, maybe uh, one episode. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I could – we could just not make mistakes. Maybe that would be the subversion <laughs> of, uh, you know. That's what makes we, it so we genuine. Yeah, we won't fuck up. Well, yeah, I mean, that is the, that is what we try, like, that is my, I mean, one of the biggest reasons I love Star Wars is because I think it's, you know, the stories are so great, and my job is literally telling the story of Wormwood. It's like, it's a, it's stories. So, you know, in Worm Life, I tried, I mean, what is the most compelling thing ever? Struggle, right? And we're constantly struggling because we're a company that's totally in over our heads, and we don't know, we, we can't deal with the amount of success, so we're just kind of learning as we go, so... We kind of just embrace the chaos. Uh, and you're passionate about the chaos. Yes, I'm a I'm a like leaning dark side, chaotic neutral type of person. <laughs> so it's it's a that that's definitely my speed. You'd be like a Darth Jar Jar in like a D and D campaign for Star Wars. Oh <laughs> Christ! <laughs> a Darth Jar Jar. It's funny. So I just so I recently just got on Twitter. Um, and I've been calling, I like the people that follow me, I've just been calling them, uh, Gungans. Nice. For some reason, like as almost something playful and derogatory. I'm like, is this the content you Gungans want? 
Um, and you know what? I like it. I think it's going to replace like a lot of my typical nomenclature for my life. That's, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. It hurts. It hurts. To <laughs> <you>. <laughs> um, yeah, those worst things. Moving on past uh, the Benioff and Weiss news, uh, getting into episode nine, we have a runtime that was confirmed through various theaters um, of two hours and 35 minutes, which is the longest Star Wars movie to date. Um, mm. I, I would assume that, like, to me, it makes sense since it's the the quintessential, like, wrapping up of the uh, the Skywalker saga. So uh, that's, that's an interesting... Um, amount of time to be sitting in a theater i remember sitting in for episode eight and thinking how long it felt but i believe that was more of the content in some of these scenes <clears throat> uh <clears throat> canto bite uh <laughs> oh, God. but more of the i think i think this one's going to be more of like i want more by the end of it instead of okay I'm, I'm i'm good to go um in other news um including more time based uh movie marathons there is a 27 hour and 21 minute long star wars marathon that is hosted at various theaters throughout america and canada and uh it is basically uh gonna be just a full-on marathon breaks between movies and you also get in a um uh commemorative pin and blanket and a concession offer so have fun spending three hundred dollars on nine movies for the Skywalker saga. Wow! Would and, you ever? Do that? Um, if if I did, it would be with friends, and it would be like I wouldn't cosplay to it because you would be so uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. But you'd have to do it with friends. Speak for yourself. I will show up in full Beskar for that any day. <laughs> nice. I. I think for the first movie, it would be okay. But after a while, you'd get a little uncomfortable and get some, like, chafing going on with that Beskar armor and be like, oh, God. These seats, dude. We're not sitting on the couch. These are – this These is going to are... be uncomfortable and cumbersome. Yeah. For I don't 300 know... bucks, they better stick me in VIP, man. That's all I'm saying. I yeah, I was going to say. I honestly don't know how much it's going to cost to sweep all nine movies in a theater, like in a marathon with commemorative blankets and, like, all that stuff. But I would assume it's up in the $300 mark. Because I paid, like in Canada here, I got tickets for uh, us three for the theater for episode uh, nine. And it was about, for IMAX, it was 25 bucks Canadian uh, per, per ticket. Hmm. So I don't know what it runs down in the States, but uh, I would assume it's around like that same price, minus about 30% since of the stupid yeah, dollar us, exchange. Us, like maybe a movie ticket will be like 22 bucks. For IMAX or okay. for normal tickets? Oh, for IMAX, it'll be a little bit more expensive, like 27 maybe. Oh, wow. Okay. Good to know. Um, and uh, continuing onwards, Bobby, did you watch the Episode 9 trailer that debuted at the uh, Monday Night Football? Are we are we talking the final trailer? The final not trailer. Dark Ray, the one that came after yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I did. I okay. reacted to that live on stream, actually. Nice. Oh, I wish I would have been there for that one. Um, we're just going to quickly talk about some things in it that maybe, um, you guys thought was interesting or something that you might want to see play out. Um, yeah, yeah. the one thing that really stood out to me, which kind of goes into our next talking point here, um, is the throne for Palpatine that was an actual design. Uh, if you guys click that link, it's a design for the throne, the Sidious's throne originally in episode four, five, six. 
um, and they've actually taken that and made it into something in episode nine. And I just thought that was really badass looking, and I cannot wait to see what happens with this. If it's like an ancient Sith ritual stand, cool. it just—I don't know—it just looks fantastic. That is very very cool. Do we know? Do we know what planet this is on? Um, so like where? With the Death Star two like stuff, if that's where the throne is going to be, um, that would be. I think on either Endor itself, like Endor proper or a planet nearby because like all those yeah. waves and stuff, that's where DS2 was, but I don't know. I'm not too sure. That's so cool. No, that's so cool. I, I saw, um, I saw a video that was theorizing that dark Ray was sitting there looking at real Ray. Ooh. I mean, I have no idea how that type of stuff is going to play out, but it's interesting to, okay. it's interesting. I have no idea. I'm just so, like, I have no idea what to expect. The trailers subvert expectations in weird ways that it's like, oh, we're just not going to use these scenes. Like, some of the stuff in the Rogue One trailer that we got was never used. Like, mm, so yeah. it would be interesting if they throw out stuff like like the throne and stuff and it just doesn't appear. I, I would be disappointed. Um, but the guy who does all the Star Wars trailers is the same person. Um, and you can weave a completely separate story from what is actually going to be happening in a movie from just the clips you use and the way you edit them together. Like, I'm sure you could say the same thing for Worm Life, where the editing can make a story or break a story. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole... If, if Worm Life was unedited, it, it, would, it would not be popular. <laughs> <laughs> like the, just the raw footage. Yeah, like the art is. I mean, obviously, there's gonna not be raw footage. There's gonna be some edit, but like the the way that I edit or the jokes that we we put in or anything like that. That is, I feel like what. Yeah, like my department, we just say the arts and the edit. Like everything. Like you could take, I could have like five filmmakers and give them all the same exact footage, and I will get five distinct, completely different oh, yeah. uh, type of type of feels even if it's literally the same exact thing um so yeah like they could they could cut this in in any angle um and i try i try to stay away from trailers but they're just ubiquitous so now i just just jump in i yeah i saw but i saw none of uh i saw none of infinity war i that was very proud of that wow that's that's a hard one that was (laughs) everywhere yeah but i cracked for endgame yeah so that's fair you you can't you can't win them all uh, Noma or Ed, is there anything in the trailer that you guys are really excited for or want to see more of or less of? Or, Well, more so for the throne kind of stuff. I'm just thinking, like, maybe she's having a sort of force vision, kind of like how Luke did on Dagobah. Okay. When uh, he cut open, he, like, cut down thing and he saw his, like, his own self almost sort of thing. Like, that could be something if they want to make ties to that. Uh, on the other hand, I hope they completely go on a different tangent. Maybe it's just like... <laughs> I'm talking, it's like Palpatine on there talking to her in like a guise, like I've manipulated the force. Oh, look at this. You could be here kind of thing. Become my apprentice or whatever. Interesting. I don't know. Super interesting. If they, if that was uh, like the dark ray that we saw is actually kind of like rays manifested just fear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that would, that, that sounds if like she gave be- into her fear and anger and everything. Cheap. Yeah. It's, it's cheap to show it in the trailer, but it, it would be cool. Yeah, I was not expecting them to show that in the trailer. It's like the Darth Maul reveal with the dual lightsaber way back in episode one days. Yeah. 
interesting way to reveal it. Uh, Noma, anything? Uh, no, I, I mean, at, at the end of the day for me, it, it's just the same as it always is, which is I, I really hope that this movie is the one that just draws me into actually caring about the conflict. Because characters aside, because, you know, I, I care about the characters for different reasons, there's still really no reason for you right now to care about the First Order or the Resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really hoping this movie does that. I mean, we've seen the giant fleet of Star Destroyers. Hopefully that'll pay off. That is cool. one thing that I was, I was going to bring up. Like, they're not just Star Destroyers. They're Imperial Star Destroyers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to have that many remaining Imperial Star Destroyers after 30 years... Where do they yeah, come the, from? Like, so, like, so there's an interesting thing that comes up from that. That uh, there's a YouTuber that I follow called Eckhart Slatter. He he dives into a lot of the really kind of nitty gritty, uh, nerdy lore stuff for Star Wars, and he points out that in one of the aftermath trilogy books, um, I guess one of the characters looks up how many star destroyers there are yeah. left in the Empire, and it says that in the span of a year they'd lost. It was some crazy number. It was like twenty five thousand. Oh really? Star Destroyers. Yeah, it was it was something ludicrous, like near unbelievable. Because the whole video was him com- complaining about how it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I saw that video, and then I was thinking about the trailer, and I was thinking, oh, what if they weren't all destroyed? What if they actually, you We're know, taken. there was actually this huge stockpile of Imperial might that nobody knew about. So there that could be regions. Yeah. Right. So. Interesting. But but yeah, just I I just I need something to care about the first order outside of oh the stormtroopers look kind of cool and oh look phasma was a character who was oh, cool God. for a, a half a movie maybe i was so excited for phasma <laughs> and they and they just took her out that, um, that's yeah. that's one of the yeah I they they history with boba fett only they did it worse yeah, yeah exactly boba fett is by far my favorite character but yeah. they just need to bring him back is what i'm saying they just need to bring this man back into the fold and I don't know how they're going to do it, but they need to do it. <laughs> I mean, if they're bringing the Emperor back, like, I, I'm just so interested in seeing how they're just going to pull this off. Like, I, I just don't... I'm so confused. I just don't know what's going to happen. Like, episode eight kind of just left you with... It's like, okay, what's... Di- like, nothing's different. Like, the, the, the like nothing happened. Like, nothing happened at all in the last movie... The only thing, like, I honestly thought that they were going to do this, and that would have changed everything for me, is when, if Kylo Ren put his hand out and Rey took his hand, and it did something, then I was just like, okay, that's subverting my expectations. That's good. That's cool. And then it's like, I would have almost forgiven the movie for being bad if that happened, and then I was just so excited for episode nine, because who knows what's going to end up happening with them. Um, but now it's just like, all right, the, the first order is the first order. And then, uh, again, the resistance is still the resistance and Kylo's still angry and Ray's still good and Luke's dead, but he's not. And then the emperor's dead, but he's not. And then Snoke's dead. And then Carrie Fisher is dead. I don't know how they're going to square that circle. Like, what are you going to have her die off screen? Like what? Like, I don't understand. I just have no idea what to expect with this movie. Mm. It's just it's, I have it's a lot of what ifs, and we have yeah. no idea. Yeah, yeah. Which is the entertain, which is why I'm interested in seeing it because mm-hmm. I'm just like I just want to see what these guys have up their sleeve because ILM you know, can do many things with visual effects, and I am excited <laughs> to see it. 
Yeah, I mean, these deep fakes are, like, better than the CGI we saw with with Tarkin in, in Rogue One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they're crazy. So, yeah, I I really hope that they give Carrie Fisher, a, like, a nice, a nice send-off. I hope they don't shake it off, like, Luke's fabricated death. I yeah. hope they get the real death of Carrie Fisher, like a real nice proper send off. Yeah, not like an Akbar, just like, oh, there's his ship and yeah. there he's gone. Yeah, so, screen. Two two like, things I wanted to bring up quick with uh in regards to uh first Akbar, uh <laughs> there, there's a there's a comic book that just came out and uh it actually deals with that whole Akbar is dead uh after episode eight. And like what what's happening between episode eight and episode nine a little bit. Um, and then another thing was a while back, Ed, you said something about what if it was like a forest vision, like Luke going down into Dagobah and doing that. Yeah. Um, I know since Bobby, you're a big Kylo fan, right? Yeah, I love Kylo. Uh, there's a comic book that came out called um, I, I can't remember if it was uh, it's Age of Resistance, uh, Snoke or Age of Resistance Kylo Ren, and I think it was the Kylo Ren one. Um, but basically, uh, Snoke and Kylo visit Dagobah and find that cave and stuff happens there during Kylo's training with Snoke. So definitely read that. Well, I I would love, yeah, Snoke, Snoke, I was also super interested in Snoke. And then they killed him off and you're like, I'm super interested in learning more about him. Yeah. There's a comic book specifically for Snoke and Kylo and they're both really good. See, I just wish like a lot of this was just represented more. Even if you had to extend the film by a bit, just show yes. us something. Like I'm, t- I'm getting tired. Not so much tired yet. It was just like, oh, we've released a thing, and we realized there's so many un like resolved whatever you want to call it yeah. that we're gonna put out like 30 books to explain everything that we just showed you. And it's just like, well, no, you could have just shown me and explained it. Exactly. There's a new book that came out that I still gotta read before the movie, and it's called Resistance Reborn, and it takes place in between episode eight and episode nine. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) another one to read. It's it's important. Like, I love that. I love that the content of the universe is expressed in so many like mediums of entertainment. I think that's amazing. But I think the biggest thing that companies need to realize when they're doing it is if you're going to do it, it needs to be used as a tool and not a crutch. Right. So that's what it is. If you want to get deeper into something that didn't need further meaning, then you have books and you can get into, you can, you know, understand that every single person in the cantina band has like a rich backstory, <laughs> right? Of like full, full blown family tree. You know what I mean? Like you can learn those types of things and be fascinated by it. But, you know, it's not vital pieces of information that should have been shown to you. You know, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not you know, withholding information so that you will buy or do other things um, just so you can feel how the movie should have made you feel in the first place. Exactly. Uh, So, you know, I I love that. I love that, you know, oh, if you want to know that, you go over here. But if, if you're requiring it, you know, you're now you're given the you're given the viewer the the viewer. I mean, we end up resenting Star Wars because instead of giving us a story, we feel like it's giving us a chore. And that's Um, the thing. It's exactly it. Because yeah. you're getting over, it's also like overly produced. Like I, I love how much Star Wars content we have, but it gets to the point where it's so much that you can't even keep up with it. And like, you guys yeah. would never have known if you know Kylo did that stuff if I didn't just say it now or you didn't look into it more. And it, yeah. it, it's like those are the kind of things that 
builds the character of Kylo Ren or these other characters that you're right. It should be more in the forefront in a film or some sort of media that way rather than having it, you know, oh, if you want like if like if you want to know more about this character and what makes this character tick, go over here. Like that's not a that's not a supplement. A supplement would be, you know, if you like you said, if you want to learn more about Boba Fett after episode 6, go read the uh, Mandalorian armor um books and trilogy those ones are a great thing to kind of be like okay what happens after that right well it's it's funny you know talking about how much stuff is coming out because apparently not even the people who are making content can keep up with it because dan you were just talking about the the comic dealing with akbar is that the one where they go to to mon calamari to try and get more ships yeah they try and ask mon cala basically for for help for against against the first order so fun fact with that comic, it's under fire right now because the artist stole uh, artwork. No way. Or just stole images. Yeah. Um, I, I just heard. Oops. Sorry, I just hit my mic. Um, yeah, I just heard about this again off of that Eckhart's Ladder channel. They're they're talking about the fact that in that panel, the last shot that shows um, the fleet that they've gotten, it's stolen from actually a channel that we've we've talked about once. Uh, I don't think on the podcast, but uh, it's a, a place called Mel's Miniatures. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, and he so he uh, Mel's Miniatures does a bunch of he prints a bunch of, of custom ships for uh, board games like Armada and stuff like that. Yeah, those but are if really you good look, ships. yeah, yeah, they look really really nice. But he literally just the the artist just took an image that he had for all of his all of the resistance ships that he'd made and just copied that image. Wow! And you can there's two reasons you can tell, and this is why people are 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 you know this is why there's controversy going on. The first reason is because there's an A wing that has the the peg that you're supposed to put to, to put the a-wing in the base does it actually have that on there yeah, it, yeah if you go back and look at that photo or the that image it's literally oh, got the man. ship the peg for the base in it and the main ship that they had shown in one of the shots was uh it's the the home one you know the ship from episode six um it was supposed to be earlier in the comic it was that sh- kind of ship but then when they switch back to this photo it's the radis from episode eight like it's the flagship off of episode eight, which it can't be because it was destroyed, right? Right. Um, but the Radis was the the ship that they that uh, Mel used in that that picture, so that's why it looks like that. That is interesting. That guy, that guy he pulled that move in mm-hmm. the the only fandom that would have caught him. Exactly yeah. right. Like <laughs> like only Star Wars fans would have been able to catch this fraud. For yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah, because Mel's miniatures is like I don't know if you've seen them on Twitter, Bobby, but. Um, if you're interested in like tabletop miniature games and stuff, this guy pr- like 3D prints these amazing and designs these amazing minis that you can replace into your your different uh, various Star Wars tabletop games. Mm, um, cool. It's just it's really awesome stuff. That's cool. unfortunate though that uh, that actually happened with the comic book artist. That's oh yeah, and and then the again like, and and no and and Bobby's right like you know Star Wars is the fandom that's going to find this out and it's funny cuz after I'd seen this video it turns out he had three others so this isn't the first time Star Wars has done this there's there's three or four different uh times that they've stolen artwork for for comics so wow. okay yeah that so I I guess you know they're putting out so stuff so fast. I mean, the kindest way to say it is they're putting out stuff so fast even their artists can't keep up with it but I yeah. mean, who knows and what was this comic specifically? This one is the um, uh, it's 
Give me a second. I have it on my app here. I just got a... It's like the new um, series that takes place right after episode eight. Give me a second. <laughs> Basically trying to figure out if it's like... Is, is it surrounded around the, like the dark side? Um, this one is more of them basically fleeing the first order at the end of epi- like after after crate yeah. and they're basically being found again on this other planet that happens and they're they're basically still in that kind of chase sequence got it i get in my head i, I was trying to justify this guy's thievery i was like is, oh. <laughs> if he's doing vader you know what i mean maybe yeah. thematic makes sense maybe he dabbles in the dark side himself it gives it gives the it gives the story more more realism. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> For, sure. All, For sure. This is all illegal. This yeah, is all- it, it was it was immersion. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was more just like complete tyranny and destroying of, of places, um, <laughs> which could be the case as well. Um, any other points for the Star Wars Episode Nine trailer? Or are we good to move on to Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. Ooh, Disney Plus. Let's get over there. Uh, right. TV shows Noma. Yeah, so uh, we've got one thing before we get into the thing we're all super, super interested in talking about. But this one's going to be very cool too. So the first uh, point is that uh, Obi Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series. Um, so we've got an article here from the Force.net, which is kind of talking about that a little bit. I mean, there's not much to go on, so I'll very much paraphrase it. Uh, everyone's favorite Ewan McGregor is coming back as Obi Wan. It's going to be a six episode series at least for the first season and uh, it's actually not in this article but it was revealed later on that Ewan McGregor has been holding on to this for a long time it came out in a a different interview that he'd been keeping this quiet for four years just not telling anyone and actually lying to people and saying you know oh I don't know about uh, an Obi-Wan series you know who knows what's going to happen he was like yeah I would love to if they want to contact me (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which honestly, kudos to him because you've got to in that situation, right? When you when it's so volatile, and you know all this is happening. You know he's re- he's really respecting what Disney wants, and I, I don't I don't blame him for it, right? I'm happy. I'm just happy we're getting it. It's gonna be, oh, it's gonna be awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> this is. Do we know who's um? Do we know who's directing that? Yeah, Deborah yes. Chow. Chow. Yeah, sorry, I'm seeing it right here. Okay, cool. Yeah, she's. Uh, I think she directed. Um... Uh, Jessica Jones, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Let me just confirm that. Deborah. Yes, I can. I can see it on on her MDB right now. Yeah, she she directed those, and I I really enjoyed the Jessica Jones uh, TV series and the way it was directed. So mm-hmm. I have honestly no no qualms with the choice and director, though I I'm not very picky with my my tv or movie watching um so i'm excited to see anything with ian mcgregor as obi-wan kenobi even if it is on a desert planet for six episodes so (laughs) we'll see as well because uh the one thing that jessica jones tells me is that uh miss chow can do some some dark stuff yes exactly i think we're gonna get there with obi-wan um like in the comics we've seen like obi-wan getting to places where he's he's not sure and he's lost his way as a jedi Mm in stuff like that so it's interesting. I'm excited to see if they go that dark route with Obi-Wan on Tatooine. And if he, he does lose his way for a while and then he comes back and kind of finds his his center as a Jedi. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah interested... it'll... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, just going to say I'm interested in seeing where they can go with this. 
Yeah, I mean, in that same exact vein, you know, Obi-Wan, I feel like, is just one of those characters in the universe that has had the most story. Like, two, you know, he's been the main point for, like, two trilogies. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not the main point for the original trilogy, but you guys know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then everything that he went through in the Clone Wars. That was um, heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, Satine? when you take... Yeah, like Satine and Darth Maul and the Darksaber and Mandalore and, you know, the, the uh, you know, with the return of Maul and then that be reminding him of Qui-Gon and then Savage Opress joining in and, and you know, the, the, the witch sisters and Daphimir, like everything that happened to this guy. And then it carries back uh, into Rebels where he, like, meets Maul again and, like just so much has happened to Obi-Wan and we know so much of his life. I'm really interested to see if, um, not if, but just what direction they go in for this. Like we've seen mm-hmm. Obi-Wan in so many different facets, you know, we've seen him, you know, getting out of danger. We've seen him like in love and distraught training people, being the wise old Jedi. Like what, like what else could this guy possibly do? I mean, whatever he does, I'm here for it. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah. I think a lost like, Obi Wan is the one thing we haven't seen yet. Like he doesn't know yeah. the way, and he's you trying to find really, that. Really, sorry. Uh, you should really read the Master and Apprentice. Does a good job of explaining some of that. I've to actually listened Obi-Wan. to a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, to Obi Wan trying to find his, his niece, especially as a Padawan, to be like, because we've we've seen Episode One, but that was pretty much where he was at the end of that route. Well, just like and how his interactions with Qui-Gon went and how they really came together and why he's so important to him now. Like it that book does an amazing job of that. Mm. We get a really young oh, Obi-Wan in that one, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, Noma. Yeah. So on to the thing that we're all very excited to talk about. The Mandalorian. This week, we've had two episodes come out. Uh, so that is the chapter one, which is... Oh, I actually I don't know what the title of that one is. All I, I remember think, is chapter two is... Hmm? I think it's called I Have Spoken, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay. Um, I'll, yeah, all I remember is... Actually, you know what? I can check this real quick. Never mind. The Disney Plus does not have the episode titles in it. <laughs> yeah, anyways. So, uh, we what? figure for this one... Sorry? I just said chapter one. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Chapter one, pilot. Um, so for this one, we'll do a really miniaturized version of uh, Temple Archive style. So we've got the uh, synopses here from Wikipedia, so I'll burn through those real quick, and then we'll talk about them. So, uh, I mean, this, you know, if you guys are listening to this and you haven't seen The Mandalorian chapter one, first of all, go see The Mandalorian. It's amazing. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler yes, alert. second of all, Huge spoiler alert. We're just going to talk about this. So if you haven't seen Mandalorian, just turn Fast off forward the podcast. like 10 to 15 minutes, probably. I, I would say just to be safe, just turn like <laughs> come back once you've seen it because I, I really don't want to spoil this if you want to see this. With that being said, you've been warned spoilers ahead. So the synopsis for Chapter 1 is... Five years after the defeat of the Galactic Empire, a Mandalorian bounty hunter accepts an under-the-table job from an enigmatic client with Imperial connections who demands he travel to the desert planet of Arvala 7 and find a 50-year-old target. 
While the client is indifferent to the target's well-being, his colleague, Dr. Pershing, insists the target be brought back alive. The Mandalorian receives a bar of Beskar steel as a down payment, which he brings to an armorer to craft into a piece of armor. It says piece of armor. It's a pauldron, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, a piece. Yeah, yeah, it's a pauldron. Mm. After traveling to Arvala 7, he is saved from two blurg by a vapor farmer named Kuil. Kuil shows him the target's location, an encampment where the criminals inhabiting the planet reside, and warns him that previous bounty hunters who attempted to travel there died. Upon reaching the location, the Mandalorian reluctantly teams up with bounty hunter droid IG-11 to clear the camp and fire... Oops, sorry. To clear the camp and find the bounty, which is an infant belonging to the same species as Yoda. When IG-11 attempts to terminate the infant, the Mandalorian destroys the droid before taking the infant. So, I don't know about you guys, but this was an amazing first episode to draw me into a, to a series. Definitely. Um, I think the... Who's going first? Who's go ahead, Bobby. You go first. I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, so, yeah, um, I, uh, I liked it. I, I didn't think it was as incredible, um, I think, as, uh, as you guys thought it was. Okay. I, I liked it. I liked it. I thought it had a lot of, like... Small fun things. I'm a stickler for combat. I didn't think like the fighting scenes were that impressive. They were kind of just there. Um, so like I wasn't super impressed with the combat, and I really wanted that with like the Mandalorian. Like it's this. He That's even said it, he's like weaponry is my religion, and I was yeah. just like, this is <laughs> this is cool. Um, but yeah, so I was, I wanted, it was kind of just like, all right, take this guy and then punch that guy and then take him and then slam his head into the bar and then, you know, use one of your things and shoot it at him and then pull him in and then just do another. It was very generic, but it was fine. It was cool. Mm. It was good. Um, I have a, I love film. I love film separate than loving Star Wars. Like, I love this as a Star Wars fan, and as a film fan, I just enjoyed it. You know what I mean? I was mm -hmm. like the Star Wars fan in me was going, "Oh my God, that's so awesome! They're making him. He's just acquiring his Mandalorian armor one piece at a time. This is so freaking cool!" But then, as just like a casual person who likes film, I'm just like, "All right, he got a shoulder pad. Um, <laughs> let's let's do some stuff here." Um, and I appreciated small little things. Like I loved the uh, the little back and forth he had with the guy who originally gave him the job where he was just like, uh, you know, here are your credits. He goes, these are Imperial credits. I don't know if you've heard, but the Empire is gone. Yeah. And I love, I love any time that we kind of get reminded about how the big overarching story of the plot affects like really like the underbelly of the Star Wars universe um, and maybe a different way than it does our main characters. I find that very interesting. Um, and the second I was just like, ooh, I am sold on this goddamn series right now. Like, the second I was sold is when that goddamn bounty droid showed up. Yes. Oh, yeah. Taika or TG. Like, yeah. The way he was walking in his torso, like, his hips it was, just kept turning. Oh. It, mm. He was shooting behind his back, and his eyes were all weird. Like, I love the mechanics of him. I loved that he was clearly a droid and clearly driven by his programming but he and also had like the motor movement it was like it wasn't mm. smooth movement it yeah. was it was kind of jerky but efficient in like killing everybody like it just yeah. worked there, yeah. there's 
there's very few times when merciless killing soulless machine really hit home for me but that just watching him yeah exactly just walking through he doesn't care about anything just picking off people that that really impressed me and i loved his you know um i think it showed a lot of i think having someone like that with I honestly, when they both showed up, I loved their dynamic so much. I was just like, oh, mm. this must be what the TV show is. These yeah. two unexpected pair ragtag team taking on the underbelly of the universe. And then he died. I was like, no, I was so upset. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was so upset that he shot them. I was, you know, because when they, you know, they, they had, obviously this has a lot of like Western influence. Um, I love the score. I thought the music was really good. The way that he used um, different sounds that are clearly reminiscent of, um, you know, some sort of kind of uh, a Western movie or just, uh, I don't know, some sort of uh, tribal type of uh, great sound mm -hmm. is what I really liked. Uh, and when, you know, the door opened and he was standing there and it was, uh, you know, it was straight out of God, what's that? Uh, the guns gunslinger is that the oh name? um you, you're talking about the oh god i can't remember but the clint eastwood kind the of bad, the ugly. trilogy right is looked yeah. exactly like that even you know even the yeah the yeah like version that star wars version of that sound in here which was really cool and then when the door opened and it was both of them i was just like yeah there's my there are my heroes that i love and then the guy <laughs> who sold me on it died like three seconds later so yeah but yeah, I, I, yeah, Baby Yoda happened, and I was just like, this is clearly one of the most adorable things I've ever seen in my life. Um, I have one thing to say about that. Two things. Yeah. Yes, freaking adorable, but Yoda and Yaddle sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Oh, <laughs> man. Because 50-year-old baby. That's, no, that's fair. They you were you both tell me, man. You tell me. I. I was also going to say, like, because uh, Bob was talking about the, the door scene. I was watching uh, the first episode with a uh, couple of friends, and when they started doing that, when they're firing just the outline of the door, yeah. I turned to one, I, I just turned to them and I went, so this is the bounty hunter version of lightsabering through a door, right? Like, <laughs> I never thought of it. Yeah, you're right. It's like, oh, we just have this big-ass gun. Let's just use it. Yeah, exactly. So that, that, that was great. But uh, uh, Bobby brings up a good point as well. Um, because I never really thought about it, but yeah, with someone with a, a huge martial arts background, it definitely makes sense that you there's going to be a lot, you know, you're going to have a lot more focus on the fighting scenes, which I, I didn't even really think about. But it is a problem when we get into it. That that is a problem that I, I have with the next episode. Um, there were some things that I was very surprised with in that one. Ed, how about you? Um, I enjoyed the the episode for sure. Um, with the combat. Uh, what was glaring to me, I just wanted to see how much of the actual, like, armor loadout he had at this point versus how much he would use. So we saw we saw the grapple. We saw the flamethrower. We know he doesn't have a jetpack yet, uh, mm. or if he'll get one. And as for the single piece of Beskar, but it was interesting... No, that's episode two. I gotta hold that. Um... <laughs> But one of the biggest things for me was trying to figure out where they actually were. Like, I spent a lot of the episode trying to look for the twin sons to see if it really was Tatooine they were on. I was, I was definitely or... thinking Ryloth. Only because mm, of the blurg. Because of the blurg. <laughs> Those I mean, true. Dinosaur at that things. point, you'd expect to see a bunch of Twi'leks. Though, right, you know? exactly. So I was like, Not I have Nick no Nolte. idea. <laughs> Which also, I gotta say, Nick Nolte... Great job with that character. Destroyed it as yeah. Quill, yeah. 
I didn't yeah, realize it was him didn't... until I looked on IMDb, and I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because <laughs> I was like, I recognize that guy's face. That little the little pig man, I recognize his face, and I don't know where from, but it's somewhere, and it was him. But that and... scene with the... Uh, sorry. Uh, mm. That scene just with the... The carbonite chamber, yes, or not chamber. I guess just the slab mm-hmm. was. I just broke out laughing at that point. It was like, you know what? This is just. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do the classic thing and look around for a way to escape. Yada yada, and then oh, what's this open container waiting for? Oh nuts! <laughs> it's so. Also, that was interesting because the first time they do that in the original trilogy, Darth Vader talks about how. What? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you can't do that. Like, that'll kill him. Like, you can't just do... Like, they talked about it. Like, this wasn't a thing that they just did. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This was, like, a new thing that they were trying that they didn't even know was if it was even going to work. So it's it's interesting to see that, like, maybe, you know, you could kind of theorize that when it did work, Boba Fett, you know, uh, told maybe, I don't know, ancestors Wait. that he had. People, people that are... People that are like, this is a great way to preserve your people. Are we mm-hmm. talking about carbon freezing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's been going on for like since the old republic. Oh yeah, because of the the old yeah, republic. Yeah, no, that, that, that's like remember like oh, the yeah, Hudson. Those... Everybody had this for a time ago. The the big thing with uh, Lando and Vader was the whole fact that they were just gonna dump him into the actual whole thing itself, not just a slab that was already prepared for it. Okay. So that's when Lando was freaking out, being like, "You don't know if this will actually work. Like that's that that could kill him." But he's like, "Ah, oh, we're gonna do it anyway. I don't care." Yeah, that, that's because I I forgot in Clone Wars they do that for the Citadel, right? They yeah. To get, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And I've been out nerded. I, <laughs> I have. I honestly, I had forgotten all about those things too. But there you go. That is that is my that is my history background. In you that. can't say, Bobby, that you came on this podcast and didn't leave with some more Star Wars knowledge. <laughs> I well, I expected nothing less. <laughs> all the, right. The, the the only other two things I'll I'll go through them real quick. Um, was I, I actually, I tweeted, to, or I tweeted, I, I messaged these guys when uh, I watched episode one, because the scene where he gets the pauldron made, and you just see that whole armor. Like, oh, she, that was you know, one thing I wanted to bring up, too. Up, oh. Yeah, like, I, I messaged them, and I said, there's a moment in this episode where I reconfirmed that Jon Favreau has a huge hard-on for Mandalorian stuff, and I love it. Mm. <laughs> just the, so, just the, yeah, the, the, the female... Actual... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I just say this is the female Mandalorian's helmet and that whole scene and just like the the crafting of the the pauldron and everything. It was just it hit on so many levels exactly oh, what people so want good. from Mandalore. And mm. I cannot wait to see what happens with the lore of that culture and the planet. Yeah, because that owl uh helmet is so distinctive of like the female uh version of it. Yeah, and to see like normal, like you were saying, just to see that actual. It's like, oh wait, you have, hmm, you have actual stuff for me. Let mm-hmm. me break out the traditional tools now. Like that was really cool. And the funny thing you is, know, those the- tools are like the tools that like people in like our world use to craft like swords and shields and armor yeah, and things. With, I was like, oh, that's cool. With, with very slight variations, I noticed. Um, yeah. And that also just leads into the last uh, point I'll quickly make, which was a lot of Easter eggs in the first episode I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, so you have the one with the armory scene where they have a small Mandalorian Easter egg. You know, the Mandalorian mentions that he's not, he wasn't born in a clan, he was brought in. Um, 
you've got the the when he's landing on on the planet where he meets with the Imperials, the Lancer Patrol craft from Rebels, and uh, then of all things, I was not expecting that the blue alien to make to drop a Star Wars holiday special reference. That was interesting. What did he say? <laughs> Uh, uh, when he when he's trying to sneak around the ship to escape, he goes, "Oh, I uh, I really was hoping I, I'd make it until Life Day." And oh yes. Like, oh, yes, oh my god, yeah, I I caught that too, yeah. yeah. Wow, they're really they're pulling out all the stops. Oh it's yeah, good stuff. You, you can just you can see all, all the all that deep lore just really coming in. But uh, a <laughs> show of I guess voices, who would buy a baby Yoda plush toy? No. <laughs> Dan, I already have a Baby Yoda plush toy. <laughs> no, no, no. And when you squeeze it, it, it makes weird sounds. Oh, it's fantastic. Now, where? Give me that Funko Pop. Yeah. Oh, That's you know right. it will be. <laughs> are you are you a Funko Pop collector? Uh yeah, I am. I have a very big collection on a shelf above my desk at Wormwood. Oh, nice, nice. nice. Do you have anything Star Wars related? I would assume. Um, yeah, I got a lot of Star Wars. I got Kylo Ren with the helmet, Kylo Ren without. I got Luke. Nice. I got Rey. I got two Praetorian guards. I got Snoke. I got Vader. Um, and I think that might be it for. I think that might be it for Star Wars. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, some other fun stuff, anime and other pop culture things. Good stuff. Nice. All right, Noma, do you want to get into chapter two? Yeah, chapter two. So. Uh, all I remember from this one is the chapter chapter two is called the child. So after fighting off an attack by ambushing mercenaries, Trandoshans, excuse you, uh, the Mandalorian <laughs> finds his ship. Yes, <laughs> I gotta. <laughs> the Mandalorian finds his ship has been stripped by Jawas. He violently confronts the scrap merchants who stun him, dispatching them from their sand crawler. The following day, Kuil as the Mandalorian in retrieving his ship's components, but in return, the Jawas request he hunt the egg. The Mandalorian locates the egg within the den of a large horned beast who expels its would-be slayer and, is that a word? Injuriously charging him. I have no idea. It's Injuriously. Yeah, I've never heard that before, but oh well. Repeating its attack, the beast damages the Mandalorian, but the child uses the force reflexively against the beast, allowing the Mandalorian to kill it. Having traded the egg for the components, the Mandalorian, aided by Kuil, repairs his stripped conveyance and flees to space with the child, now recovered from its exertion with the Force. Wow, someone wanted to use the fancy $10 English words for this one. <laughs> yeah. This is a, a Wikipedia freelancer really wanted to get the work again. Yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> definitely. But thank um, you. Thank you for your hard work for summarizing that for us. I really do appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> In such a short amount of time. Yes, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, since we'll start with a guest. So, uh, Bobby, what did you think of episode two, chapter two? Um, so this is where, like, the second episode is really where I was going to, I'm like, all right, I'm going to make, like, a definitive opinion here. Mm -hmm. And um, after I watched episode two and I kind of, like, thought about it a little bit and slept on it, I was just like, you know what I think was, because there was something missing. Like, I liked it. But, mm -hmm. like, there was something missing. And I think the thing that was missing was, um, I think episode one and two should be combined to be episode one. Yeah, it, it seemed oh, okay. like that. And, you know, because what, it seemed like something happened where it's just like, all right, this is like a good, passable, enjoyable thing. Nothing really that would make me go, holy shit, this is my new favorite show. And then mm -hmm. the 
something happens and then Baby Yoda. And you're like, okay, this show just changed up. This is what it's going to be about. I'm like, I'm going to like sink my teeth into this. And then the next episode was kind of just like a another just like buy the books. This is good. This is a nice, passable, competent TV show. And then something at the end happens where you go, oh, holy fuck. So it, it just kind of seems like the show is just coasting, coasting, coasting. Oh, do like a crazy thing at the end to make people care. And then the show is just coasting, coasting, coasting. Oh, do another thing at the end to make people care. Where mm-hmm. it's like if it started and I get it, it's a Western. It's a little bit of a slow burn. There's not a lot of dialogue, which um, if it's done right, I can really appreciate. Um, but if it happened, you got that really awesome shootout scene with the uh, with the the bounty hunter droid, and then Baby Yoda shows up, and then that's the ha- the midway point. Now I'm like, oh my god, I'm into this episode right now. What is going to happen next? And they're short; they're like 25 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So it would totally feel. I feel like it would totally feel like a full episode, and then the. Then you have like a little bit more action. You have the Jawas, which are now like minions from Despicable Me. Uh, <laughs> like that's exactly what they are. Like yeah, no, that's a good comparison. <laughs> like it's the same. They're the same exact creature. Um, <laughs> but that, and then at the end, you have Baby Yoda, who did the the Force, which again is just going to make you just like glue yourselves to the TV even more. Um, so. As a unit, I think it was a great, as a unit, I think if we combine them, it's a great episode, but standing alone, I I feel like they're significantly weaker when you pull them apart rather than when you stick them together. I think no, that's why they that might have. No I think that's why they put them so close together in release date. Like I didn't realize that it was coming out. Uh, what was it? Tuesday or Wednesday, for Disney Plus when it first launched, and then like three days later, it came out again for the next yeah, episode. Yeah. And then now it's every Friday until the last one, which is on a Tuesday, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting. I'm glad they did the first two episodes um, like days apart because I feel like you're right. It's like the two parts of the pilot that you needed to watch to understand, yep, I want to watch this. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And and this episode, at least for me, I it, it wasn't a bad episode for me, but it, it didn't really blow me away. There, there were a couple things in there that I was really kind of surprised or confused by. I was surprised that he that he gets beaten by the Jawas when he's first doing that whole, you know, slow climb up the sand crawler thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a, a, just because, yeah, like you said, he's basically fighting the minions from Despicable Me. He's not supposed to lose this fight. That's a great analogy. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it fits so perfectly. Um, and then secondly, yeah, when he, when he gets up top and they all pull out their guns and I was like, so we couldn't, we, you were throwing garbage at him. You couldn't just shoot him from the beginning yeah. yeah might have been it was a, bit a more kind of light-hearted campy type of thing and mm. where i think if i liked it for a light-hearted campy thing like i thought mm. it was i thought it was funny but i found myself being like you know with the general tone of this series i don't think this is the feeling i'm they're they're supposed to be getting out of me yeah, yeah so, exactly he, he just finished disintegrating like five people <laughs> i think i think the one thing that it does show about the mandalorian is that he isn't this overpowered like hero or main character mm. that we like everything he does he comes out on top sometimes he gets defeated and sometimes he gets um wrecked on along the way with that creature right like you saw his front breastplate that thing got destroyed when he was trying to fight it 
and it, it shows surprised. his. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I was just gonna say I was surprised at how much they because I think this is like mm -hmm. a huge thing where it's just like your main character is vulnerable. Like this is great setting up like something big's gonna happen in the future of this season, obviously. And when it does, we're actually gonna feel for him like he like his life is in danger. He is in peril. I should be concerned because I know that our main character can sustain damage. And dude, that rhino beat the fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. He took he took hits <laughs> upon hit. I was like, you're taking like headlong tusk hits into your chest yeah. over and over again. And I, was I do not... like show that I liked it. Like I, mm -hmm. I like that it's just like no, this is a guy. You're you know you're gonna get to know just exactly a person who's you know who's clearly you know he's young. It's you know they they he's not um you know he's still got a ways to go. He's not a seasoned veteran. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think I think a good, good a good idea is that it shows how much progression he can make in this season, in the eight episodes yeah, that we have. That's true. And at the end of the second episode, he talks to Quill and says, "Hey, I could use somebody on the ship and my crew with your talents. You want to join?" And I think that sets it up for he is going to be having a crew with the other characters that we've kind of seen in the trailers and stuff to be able hmm. to have. You know, he can't do everything himself. But there are people that he brings around him that kind of builds up his his team to make up for that. We might get like a Guardians Two vibe where it's like can a ragtag group of thing group of people, and then like mm. Baby Yoda is like Baby Groot. They're like, they're oh like, my god, <laughs> yes, they're like, Baby Yoda on top on the crew for yeah. Like for, there's like a there's like a members. there's like a badass kind of feel. Like yeah, I'm the Mandalorian. I got this crew. We're super badass, but we're also taking care of a baby. Yes. <laughs> but like that would be a fun kind of way to balance the series through badassery and also showing because I don't know. I thought it was interesting, you know, in the first episode, um, you know, he he hails that that cart and, uh, you know, the the first one comes up and he goes, no droids, um, you know, giving you a little bit like, OK, this guy doesn't he doesn't mess with droids for some reason. Um, it almost reminded me of like iRobot with Will Smith, where he was like, "No, no robots." Oh, right. Thing where it's like you find out why Will Smith doesn't like robots. It's because their their kind of analytical nature makes them kind of uh, you know they don't make good judgment calls because the, his whole thing was just like, "No, when you know Will Smith's character, his car went underwater, mm. and then it was him and his daughter." drowning and then the robot saved him because he had better probability of living mm -hmm. um so he's like no i don't like robots for that reason and then at the end of this series you see that no the only thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna kill baby yoda because that's what makes sense in my head and then he kills him with like no so like maybe that's part of why he didn't want drones or he didn't like our droids rather he didn't like droids because he knew that if it came down to a decision like this, he doesn't trust droids because right. of how they're programmed. Um, and he can make a judgment call. So, like, I think that makes sense that this, you know, he has empathy or sympathy for this child and he wants to take care of it. So I'd love to see him balance that, you know, with being like, all right, I'm a bounty hunter. I'm a badass. I'm going to, you know, my bounty hunter code. But also I have this sense of morality um, and I think that would be just an interesting dynamic to see unfold. I'm definitely excited mm -hmm. to see the 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 choice he makes between uh, what his job entails and what his contract entails versus his <laughs> past and 
you know what happened to him as a kid because you saw like some some stuff that happened when he was getting taken by the lady if it was his mom or not when you know all that fire fight was going on and Mm. does he does that kind of play into why he saved the yoda baby and why like what is he gonna do is he gonna keep it is he gonna hand it over for best car and you know stay true to his mandalorian lineage or not lineage but adopted lineage i guess um what might happen who knows yeah well speaking of violent confrontations we still haven't seen uh Giancarlo Esposito or yes. Gus Fring as death trooper show up so that'll be interesting right uh I'm sure whenever he shows up it's it's, it's not going to be fun for the people around him no I think it's going to be pretty <laughs> it's going to be a pretty awesome firefight oh yeah but that's something I'm that's that's what I'm really interested in now is was what are the consequences now right because if he goes back what's going to happen he's still being tracked right because as we saw from the beginning of this episode, there are other hunters that are tracking the Yoda baby. Exactly, and they're gonna go find so, him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting. Bobby, uh, I'm not sure if you knew this, but uh, fun fact for the Mandalorian, quick, yeah. is that during uh, the panel in, at Star Wars Celebration this past year, um, they talked about how uh, the stormtroopers in this show are actually mo- most of them. They needed a whole bunch of them. Uh, to like people to hire to play the roles of all these stormtroopers yeah most of the people are actually part of the 501st charity organization that do costuming events and like raise money for charity cool and they're all like all these fans were able to come onto set and be these stormtroopers apparently they didn't need any direction because they just had their roles down pat from all the costuming that's so that's community done right. They're, the community manager at Star Wars that made that decision, that's good shit. Yeah. So oh, I just yeah. thought that was a nice heartwarming uh, piece before you see them all get destroyed in the next few episodes, probably. <laughs> it is, and it was probably the best moment of all their lives. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. But uh, any final thoughts on The Mandalorian before we move into the outro? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> uh, for episode two. Yeah, we got to um, talk um there there were a few points that i really liked from uh that and they were all small things but a the seeing him take care of his armor like that night before or anything like that where he's like he's Mm. actually taken off the breastplate and he's like fiddling with it making sure it's still good for making sure everything still works i mean we saw how well it worked against the I wanted to call it a Tukata, but I, I don't know. Um, so a bull thing, rhino thing. Um, like how it fared up against that. And even it was half off when he was still walking back and just covered in mud. Um, seeing like how well he just adapted the the egg for the youngling and how he's just got it with his wrist gauntlet where he can actually just direct where it goes. And it did fall. Because that was one thing I was worried about where it's just like, Hey, so you just jumped onto the sand crawler. Um, did you just leave the baby behind? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was wondering. I was like, is he gonna follow him? What's gonna happen here? Yeah. So that um, that thing was just like Yoda's like floating, meditating thing, yeah. uh, the prequel trilogy. So I, I feel like <laughs> there were some parallels being drawn there. I just imagined Yoda sitting, just meditating on it. <laughs> yeah. Then he yeah, has that just following behind. So that was that was nice to see. Um, 
just the overall just armor maintenance, I think, was a big thing for me with this one. And then that finally, the egg that the Jawas, I, I, I didn't really like them before and make her. I don't like them now. Um, but they're like, yeah, go get the egg so we can eat. That was a disgusting like part when that, they ate the egg. Oh, my God. That was just, oh, yeah, I just went through all of that for your lunch. Hairy eggs, man. Huh. Who would have thought I, that was weird? Hairy eggs. I, I am the galaxy's best uber eats guy right now oh, okay <laughs> so that it was just it was just there was a lot of like bobby said it was just some things that i don't i didn't think i should be feeling that way like i went into it just being like all right let's get gritty let's see all this you know underworld kind of stuff that you got to do and it's like okay i'm watching daddy daycare star wars for a little bit we'll see how it picks up I'm really hoping it does. I'm not saying I'm not enjoying it because I love seeing all the small stuff like to do with like Mandalorians in general. Because, uh, yeah, he's, especially with the whole like the weapons armor religion, stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I just really want to see more of that over the course of however long season one, if they're going to do multiple, is going to go. I feel like we need to talk. I, I, I actually think it's crazy that it hasn't been brought up yet are, are we gonna talk about how strong this yoda baby is with the force <laughs> yeah i was confused with that at first until noma read through the the synopsis of the first one where it said like 50 year old client like 50 sorry 50 year old like target so the baby's 50 years old but it's small mm. it it looks like yoda it's the same species I'm, I'm assuming but yeah you're right like super powerful and it's like reflexive force power so it's innate yeah because well, it, it, by that definition every young jedi has that innate ability it's not that strong manifests, right well yes and no like even with anakin at nine like humans can't they're not supposed to be able to pod race or True. it's going to be very difficult for them to do so yet here's this kid mm. taking this canyon run at like this breakneck speed which the only other participants are aliens because either they they have some kind of predisposition for it or they can just do it. And yeah, they, there's no other like adult human being like, yeah, I'm going to pod race. I'm going to be awesome. It's like, no, he's nine and he's crashed every other time, but he's not died yet. That's true. Like granted, yes. Oh, mm. chosen one, everything like that. But throughout like Old Republic, everything like that, you, you have crazy like uh, Noma. I know I'm using games at this point, but it, <laughs> it's just that point. Um, the Jedi Consular. One of the, oh, the mm. one of the strongest things in blah blah history, and you can yeah, do yeah. basically anything. So, I don't think the big race thing has anything to do with it. Yes, it's Yoda, so automatically that'll pop into our heads right away. And I think they're taking a bit of a jump with it to, yeah, you know, he's gonna be powerful. But like, I'm thinking that yeah, he'll have these force abilities, but who's really around to train him now? Kind of That's thing. That's true. Right? It, so it, I'm just imagining a little youngling baby with mandalorian armor running around when he's like 900 please have the ears coming out of the helmet or just yeah. like have the helmet like, extend over the ears like it i'd actually like to see that i think it'd be hilarious moving with like everybody expects him to be this crazy badass force user what if he's that and a mandalorian yeah kind of like where some eu books were going with that theory mm. bobby what do you think well, thinking about the I mean, I thought, oh God, I thought so many things. It, well, this this means so many things. One, 
we see in like the Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff that the Empire is sending like inquisitors and bounty hunters to kill force sensitive children to ensure that the Jedi don't return. So that kind of feels like what's happening here, but the Jedi, but the Empire is gone. So I don't, so I don't really know. Um, but that's interesting to me to see like why was this was this clearly was this a target because of his force powers? Is this why he? was dead, uh, and if so, who cares about Force powers now that the Empire's gone? So that's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I also, this is also like the first thing, I mean, aside from the, I forget her name, the other person that was sitting on the council in, in Phantom Menace, you mentioned Yaddle. her kissing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, aside from her, like, we don't know anything about the race of Yoda, so. Not even the name. Exactly, that's why everyone keeps calling him Baby Yoda, or the Yoda Baby, because no one even knows what to, what you know, we can't say Gungan or Togruta or like we just have no idea. So I think it's um really interesting because this might be just like a grander, more like, no, these creatures have an inherent like connection. almost like a a abnormally strong connection to the force. Mm-hmm. Um, but still just like it's a little jarring when you see like I don't know if you're watching the original trilogy, the first time that Luke picks up something, you know what I mean? He's like physically exhausted. Yeah. And granted the baby passed out afterwards, but it lifted a dinosaur. Like it was crazy. Like if you look at like the physical size of it. No, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I've been playing the full bubble burster this entire episode (laughs) and I actually feel terrible about it. Um, Yoda's own words, there is no try. Well, I was going to so say size, 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 size matters. Size matter That's true. Not, right? That's yeah. true. So it's just like, yeah, you sense the danger, you do something about it at this point. And that kind of, yes, it plays into it. Oh my God, you just got to lift it. So you lift it. it. It probably weighs the same amount as an X-Wing, if anything, like that maybe less. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, just to see a it's It's a jarring thing to see. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely jarring. It's it's just that the the whole force ever since midi chlorians and all that nonsense, it's it's just you can't really quantify it to anything, which will be interesting to see how they explain it for sure. Yes, um, damn, I was gonna go somewhere else with that, and I completely lost that uh, train. I was, I was just gonna say because uh, Babu was saying as well, right? Like this could be a, a species that that is innately gifted with the force, and yeah, that's what I was thinking. It reminds me of um, Kotor two. Visus Mars species. I think that was the Mira Lucans, right? The people who can see yeah. with the Force because they're all yeah. blind. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's immediately what it was making me think of. Like, oh, cool. So it's an actual like you're you're at least implying now that that Yoda's whole species has always been very powerful with the Force in that case. And uh, yeah, the first thing I thought of when I realized like, oh, this is an Empire bounty is we, we like we get we get the child and then we turn it evil because is well, isn't there. So isn't sorry. there a Clone Wars? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, isn't there a Clone Wars episode where Palpatine's doing that? Like he kidnaps the babies to turn them evil. He hit like yeah, five babies. Yeah, Cad Bane. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. Those like on a, again, another species who was supposed to be like inherently strong with, especially with the dark side of the Force, were the Sith purebloods, right? Yeah. But yeah. initially, like they didn't even they didn't even realize they had the power. So most of their life, they just went around doing mundane stuff. Mm-hmm. And until somebody came and influenced them and was like, hey, you could do this stuff that they're all like, oh, yeah, we actually are super powerful. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it could be something like that. And it's definitely possible. I don't know. 
He also tried to, it looks like the, the baby yeah. was trying to heal uh, yeah. too, which mm -hmm. is a power that we don't see very often. And to have him uh, instinctually try to do it was super interesting to me. Of course, it could just be baby curiosity as well. Just be like, oh, you have a thing and you've been <laughs> you imagine like he, your arm. He pokes it. Ow, son of a bitch. <laughs> True, but, but the, the fact that the fact that he tries to do it a second time after yeah. Mandalorian's moved on to the armor, I think that well, that, he uh... kept getting out to begin with, right? And then you see him keep doing baby stuff like playing with the frogs and everything like that. <laughs> I loved it when he ate that frog. Yeah, oh my god, so, playing the frogs. <laughs> yeah, so like, there's a lot of it, they do it, I guess, in a way that we can have this discussion because at one point you see like, oh yeah, the force, but take the force away completely, and he's just acting like a baby. Except the eight of yeah, frogs. That's true. So yeah. there's a whole lot of like there's a lot of like double sidedness to it that I really want to see how they maneuver through all this stuff with the show. Same. Mm. Um, there is one thing I just want to point out before we move on, and it was uh, people online have been going kind of nut bars over the doctor and his uniform. I don't know if you guys have seen that on like Twitter and stuff, but basically the guy that when the Mandalorian meets up with uh, the client uh, Werner, mm -hmm. uh, Werner Herzog mm -hmm. and the guy comes out of the room and he has like this like scientist uniform on there's a patch on his right shoulder um, that you can see like almost a quarter or a half of the the symbol on the side and people are like this symbol from what we can see looks almost exactly the same as the symbol from the Camino clone initiative oh, um, boy. so oh. people are speculating that it might be like a let's get this Yoda baby take it to Camino and make a whole bunch of Yoda babies that are evil possibly. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. That's a far fetched, but it's interesting. That would be cool though. If, that, if that's what the end goal, well, it would be kind of terrifying, but that, that'd be cool. If that was the end goal. Yeah. I just thought I'd bring that up just cause it's something that you didn't like, you don't really like, I didn't notice it until someone pointed it out that he had like a patch mm. on his shoulder. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Now, do you guys think that Baby Yoda is a clone of Yoda? Do you think that he's just the same oh, as God. Yoda? That'd be interesting, wouldn't think it? He's a child? Like, yeah. what? Like, well, because obviously everyone's going to be like, this is Yoda's son or like whatever. But do you think this is just a baby version of whatever his species is, his actual son, or like a clone of Yoda? Because if it's 50 years old, does that make out, does that make time sense with? the attack of the clones clone initiative if yoda's like oh i want that. to make a baby of me too mm. it'd be before that it would have that to was, be. i didn't think we oh. could make that because if they live for 900 years and they're still a baby at 50 they could be pregnant for eight years or something you yeah, know what i mean we have like no idea <laughs> like that's true that's so very idea. true yeah yeah like, like they I have no idea the lifespan or or how they're born or or anything like that timelines don't really like, make a difference then really. well like well like anakin was if you want to take Return of the Jedi where everything ends, that's 19 years after uh, Revenge of the Sith, yeah? Uh, yeah, something like that. Somewhere in that in that timeline. And to get to that, he was like 20-something by the time Revenge of the Sith happened. Mm -hmm. uh, so it would have to have been way before episode one. So who knows what was going on there? But who knows? Maybe they have some like crazy planet off in some deep space or whatever. Because when they were trying to it figure to out oh, all regions. these, yeah, all these force sensitive kids, like they had a roster. But what if like you know, Sidious doing Sidious things? It's like, huh? I sent something out in the distance. Yeah. Uh, let's make a note of that, and then the note <laughs> somehow. 
Sorry, I thought that was a great like Emperor Neil Goldman. It was good. <laughs> and like he just leaves like a list of stuff, and then this is still the Imperial Remnant, so they'd have some way of accessing all that stuff. They're like, hey, I'm dead, but I left this list of all these things you guys need to do. Go do it. And so that's basically what they're doing to try and bring themselves back. Like he said, like, you know, it's time to have some order or something come back to the galaxy of this, like, unrest or however the line goes. So they're clearly still following some kind of directive. Yeah. So it could be from that. It's it's going to be interesting to see where the Empire ends up with this because we know what it turns into, the First Order. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the faction that goes out into the Unknown Regions um, after the Battle of Jakku. And it's just interesting to see that there's still rem- remnants on planets like the one that they've met on the desert planet and uh it's it's going to be interesting to see where the mandalorian takes it i'm i love how most of the conversation that we had was about baby yoda it well makes, maybe snoke so is good. like something from like yoda's race only like he's hit like some abnormality so he's grown, oh my god that, I, but he's all like d4 i would hit the stuff. eject button on my fandom if that was <laughs> <laughs> i would just be like Boop, i'm out of here what anyway. you're saying if if snoke is baby yoda no 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 well that I, I, that, I, that would that would be like okay lucasfilm you have lost everything that i have ever loved Oh, I love that. I love that. If they went that insane oh my and, God. and literally introduced Snoke is just like Yoda, a, but a evil. clone of Yoda that went awry. Oh, my God. And, and, and the scar on <laughs> like, his head was got... from another encounter with one of those horned beasts. Yeah. yeah and the clone's got the accelerated forward. growth thing on him. So there you go. Oh, my God, guys. We have He's actually the... 2,000 years old. We have figured out what they're doing with the Mandalorian. We know what's happening. Snoke's backstory, <laughs> The Mandalorian. This God, is, I'd be so see, mad. This new video is going to be on my timeline tomorrow. <laughs> of someone making this. It's no crazier than, like, you know, Dark Snoke Jar-Jar. is anybody Snoke else. Is. You know Snoke what I mean? is really Mace Windu was one Dark I remember for a Jar-Jar while. Oh, boy. It's legit. Okay? Dark Jar Jar, yeah. There's some Dark Jar Jar is legit as hell. It's so good. That is an airtight theory. <laughs> all right on that note guys i think it's time to round up the podcast um let's get into the outro all right uh in our outro segment we always have our fan pick of the podcast which is the galaxy of adventures anime music video that um was uploaded onto youtube it is by. It was uploaded by a YouTube account called Forever Red Three Thousand, and it takes uh, footage from the Galaxy of Adventures TV um, shorts that Lucasfilm has created with. Um, t- is it Titmouse? Titmouse. Titmouse Animation. For their animation <laughs> stuff, basically they're the people doing the animation for um, the Star Wars stuff here, and this person took a whole bunch of those scenes. And put it behind a or in front of uh, the Full Metal Alchemist opening from Yui. And if you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to say about it. I mean, it's go watch it. That's <laughs> to say that's all that needs to be said about it. This it's is great. Just go watch. It. It's well timed with all the transitions and music uh, beats. It's just, it's amazing. Go watch it. Yeah, well, it's got a really fitting opening too. Yes. 
and uh bobby thank you for coming out of the podcast uh thank you guys so much for having me it has been such a fun time to have you on as a guest uh is there anywhere that people can find you online that you would like to share with the, the listeners Yes. So uh, Wormwood, which is the company that I work for, I mean, we're on every uh, platform, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, we have a Discord, we have YouTube. Um, everything there is under Wormwood Gaming. Uh, so that's W-Y-R-M-W-O-O-D. Um, spelled like worm like in D&D. Uh, and yeah, that's replete throughout any social media platform you want to find us. Uh, but if you want to connect with me personally, uh, you can find me on Twitter at it's Bobby bitch underscore. Um, <laughs> nice. And yeah, that's a Britney Spears reference. Just so people, you know, they know, they know what they're getting involved with if they're going to follow me on, on uh, Twitter. But that's <laughs> the only, that's the only place where I'm active as an individual. If you want to be a Gungan, follow it's Bobby bitch. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Um, you can find me on Twitter as well at Daniel J. Venard or on the Star Wars uh, podcast, our podcast, Twitter, uh, which we'll get into in just a second. And Noma, do you want to head us off? Mm. Or Ed, I guess, for this one. Uh, head us off until the listen, rate, review, and we'll get Bobby to do that one again. Excellent. So once again, guys, if you want to contact the podcast by email, you can find us at voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. That is, once again, voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can use the, we're calling it handle, right? Yeah, Twitter handle, I guess. Perfect. That handle will be at voiceforcepod. So that's voiceforcepod. If you want to find us on Facebook, that is facebook.com slash voiceforcepod as well. So facebook.com slash voiceforcepod. And now we get into our fun times. Our guest, it's Bobby Bitch, <laughs> will go right into this helter-skelter, pell-mell, fast-as-a-two-second heartbeat with our listen, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on how many do we have, Dan? I don't know. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> when you're ready, Bobby, take it away. Listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Pocket, Cast, and Podbeam. Ooh, I, I, I did slowed it. down you had the podcast. So, you were so close. That was Pocket Cast there, but it was pretty smooth overall. That was good. Yeah. I am glad that uh, you were able to get through that second one. I, I I think that was the most coherent run we've ever had because usually Probably. I can't tell what one or two of the things are that someone said. <laughs> that makes me feel better about tripping up. Awesome. And uh, just remember, guys, that uh, may the force be with you. And we have spoken with It's Bobby, bitch. Hey. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And that's the end of the episode, Bobby. Thank you for staying uh, past the two-hour mark. I really do appreciate that. I wasn't <laughs> expecting us to go I mean, that far. As soon as you said two-hour mark and we hadn't even got to the Mandalorian until like an hour and 15 minutes in, I was like, this thing's good. <laughs> We're going to be here forever. But yeah, no, I knew it'd be, but no, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I love to talk. I love to talk about Star Wars. So it's a, it's a, it's a freaking dream to just sit here and just nerd out about stuff like that 